Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show is recorded on July the 25th, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the man who pops out of the cake. <laughs> Caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played. We're going to have our monthly game club, which is Portal 1 and 2. We're going to be discussing our next game club game. We'll have our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly discovery queues. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. So, a little bit of context. When I typed in the date uh, for today, I realized, oh yeah, it's my mom's birthday today. So, you're the the man popping out of my mom's birthday cake. I guess you don't love your mother, then. <laughs> also, that the way I said that implies that I didn't realize it was my mom's birthday. I already called her and wished her a happy birthday today. But, uh... Like, I saw the date, and it, like, hit me again, like, oh, yeah, today was mom's birthday. So I immediately changed track on what I was going to say and made you birthday cake man. Your poor, poor mother. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one this time. (laughs) I met a nice lady today, though, who I think would like being my mom's friend because she plays World of Warcraft. She brought her son in for therapy, and he's not my client, but... For some reason, she just decided to start talking to me while I was doing something in in the office, and I don't know how, but we got onto video games, and she's like, yeah, I play World of Warcraft, and I was like, so does my mom. Yeah, then you get them together, and you find out she's a lion while your mom's horde, and they start fighting. It would have to be the other way around. My mom's alliance. She doesn't like horde because, quote, they're ugly. End quote. Well, that's not untrue. No, it's not untrue. But if you're not going to play... Well, I don't know. Everybody's entitled to their own reasons. That's probably not the worst reason I can think of for not playing the Horde. I've played both, but I tend to go Alliance just because all my friends played Alliance. So, Well, on the server I played on, it was like 70 or 80% Alliance. I mean, you go to Thunder Bluff and you know, there's no one there. Yeah. Hell, Ogre Bar was essentially deserted. Whenever one of the big world events where you uh, had to run through the enemy towns, it was a breeze on my server because, you know, there was no one there. Granted, they do have that weird server uh, collection thing now that that may not be the case anymore. But, eh. It, it was... Well, also, whenever I would do that, I had the Orb of Illusion... So I was this little, little blood elf on this giant coda riding through uh, Ogre Mar for like the summer event. <laughs> yeah, you know, nice. fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I was a Draenei shaman, so you know I had to have the massive mounts. Otherwise, I just looked ridiculous. Not to say I didn't enjoy riding around on my mechanic rider. But, you know, it looks like I would have to have a second one and just strap them on like skates. <laughs> that would be pretty badass, actually, <laughs> if that was a mount. I want that. Two Mechanus Striders. And Blizzard, for, the, for those who don't know, a Mechanus Strider is the gnome uh, cultural mount. It's this robotic ostrich. Yeah. Blizzard employees, because I know you're absolutely listening to this small video game podcast. Uh, make that. Make that happen. <laughs> Please. 
Yeah, and just to give you an idea also, my shaman was about the size of the Mechanistrider. <laughs> nice. Yeah, my usual ground mount was the, uh, uh, well, the motorcycle. Yeah, I was Because, I was because that's, you know, getting in touch with nature. Uh, I was The power boring. of the elements. I always stuck to horses. I don't know why. Horses and griffins, those were my two favorites. Uh, mine was, uh, well... Uh, well, the thing is, I also collected mounts, and uh, I always called uh, the Argent Dawn uh, pet, uh, uh, which it sounds really wrong. Uh, yeah, the uh, the boy pet. Boy, that sounds even worse. <laughs> I-, I called him my stable slave. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Wink. Because yeah, you know, someone had to clean up after the menagerie of uh, various creatures. Oh yeah, but I, baby. I had. Not the first tier raid, but the second tier raid, uh, well, uh, raid proto Drake that I used, uh, pretty much exclusively. I mean, granted, I did like my Nether Drakes as well, but yeah, so, something that was actually making my character look decent because it was very hard for uh, this massive blue space goat to actually look good on a mount because most of them were not designed for. Uh, that big a race. Uh, only thing about the same size was the torrents on uh, the horde side. Yeah. But well, we are way off topic, so maybe we should just move right along. I mean, we were talking about games, but sure, we can go talk about the games <laughs> that we played this week. <laughs> uh, on the bright side, at least our opening sort of banter was was game-centric. Well, Welcome if you want, we could, always get poli- uh, we could always get political. Uh, let's yeah. let's save that for later, another yeah. day. Yeah, another we'll day, save that maybe. for uh, post show uh, while we render and uh, get stuff ready to, for you to do your magical editing of just you know, sitting there and uh, like, oh, well, that looks good. Yeah, where I run <laughs> off to bed because I have to get up. I'm about to have to start getting up earlier on Wednesdays because that's what my the only time that I can get supervision without having to pay for it is on Wednesday mornings at eight a.m. Which means that I have to leave the house an extra thirty minutes early, so I'll be getting up at like six, six in the morning or six thirty. It's terrible. I hate having to work real job hours, but it'll be fine. By the way, in case anyone is wondering, supervision I mean you have to have so many supervised hours before you can be fully licensed. Tech, currently, I practice under a temporary license, which grants me all the rights and privileges of someone who's fully licensed, except I have to be supervised. So, I got a babysitter, and I don't know if she's good looking or not because I've never seen her before. I'm gonna meet her for the first time next week. And then, uh, then uh, you know, uh, she invites her boyfriend over while she's babysitting you and making out on the couch, and then she gets fired like the rest of your colleagues. God, yes, there was another person <laughs> who got fired this week. I, I didn't know about this. I was making a joke. No, we're up to seven people fired now. Yeah, I was joking about you just sitting there by yourself, sitting on your couch alone. It's like, so how does this make me feel? <laughs> my, I had uh, had a meeting with one of my supervisors today, or one of my bosses. Uh, we we genuinely joke and call him work mom and work dad because one of my bosses is the like the administrative side, and the other one is the clinical side, and they they fight like a married couple. 
But anyways, I was with work. Uh, and this the morning. sex it may, uh, it makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, it does. But uh, I was with work mom this morning and we were talking about stuff. She's like, look, I just want you to know that I re- I think you're doing good work here and I really appreciate you and you're not worried. You're not in danger of getting fired. <laughs> and I was like, I, I appreciate your compliment and your support, but I'm not worried about being fired. I said, you pro- unless I did something illegal, honestly, right now, you couldn't fire me if you wanted to because you need me. And she said, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And she said, that's why we're giving you this. And because they're giving me even more stuff now because I'm doing technically the work of four people. So they're like, here, have more benefits and goodies and money. And I'm like, yes, please. Yes, please. I'll do that work for some extra stuff because I'll get to keep all of that stuff once more people get hired. Because they know that I'll burn out if they keep doing this to me long term. And I've told that to them multiple times so thankfully i've got good bosses i've got good bosses so i'm not worried about yes your colleagues that kind of stink my colleagues suck but my bosses are great that's not true the the people that work in the office here in town are all really great there's only been one person that got fired from our office most of the other offices have had more at least in this area so yay i guess Anyways, we got so close to talking about games. Yeah, let's, so uh, close. Let's go do that right now. Okay, Rage, what games have you played this week? Well, I played Quantum Conundrum. Or finished it. And uh, let's see, in a word... <sighs> Alright. For those who don't know, this uh, uh, game... Uh, it, well, it's... Uh, was uh, developed by Airtight Games with the, well, now defunct game dev. But one of the minds behind it was Kim Swift, who uh-huh. just happens to be one of the designers behind the first half of our game club this week. <laughs> and this is just a happy coincidence that, you know, this kind of lined up. So, yeah, it's just a happy little accident. We, we just have to get the alpha afro out and start painting trees i guess happy little accidents yeah well if i didn't know that the same designer was behind these two games i would have called you a fucking liar well for for one uh quantum conundrum for those who don't know it's essentially a first person puzzle platformer that really wants to be Portal, but just misses on just about everything. It has the same basic formula. You know, you're stuck in a series of rooms. I mean, in this case, it's a mad scientist manner instead of, you know, a test facility. But, you know, same basic premise with a disembodied voice uh, that's kind of funny in this case, it's uh, John Delancey, who you may know as Q, who I also uh, start just calling Uncle Q because, you know, it's Uncle Quadrangle, if I recall correctly. You know, Uncle Q. Yeah. And they just, it felt like they missed on the mark so, so many times. There's just so many. Well, my main problem is the genre. It is a first person puzzle platformer and First-person platforming in general 
is a very, very, very dicey thing to begin with. Add on to it the puzzle element in this game where you have, for example, and you'll love this, flying couches. <laughs> Doing therapy in style. Oh, trust me, I, I, I was about to need therapy after some of this because, damn, the problem with a flying couch is, well, it's not an even platform. So if you land on the back of the couch, what do you think happens? Uh, you fall off? Yeah, you slide right the fuck off. Oh, boy. Or if you hit that and you're not using the slow time power, which uh, I haven't even gone into the different powers. And, and this, it's just one of those things that, oh, this game frustrated me so damn much because there were so many times I would land on a, uh, on a flying couch or a flying safe or a flying table or, you know, whatever. The tables were actually pretty decent because, you know, they're a fairly decent size. The saves were pretty small to land on. But I would hit the couch, uh, hit the back of it, and either just slide right off the backside of it, and you know, or uh, land onto the cushions and then hit the armrest as yeah you know, the momentum uh, uh, kicks in and I get flung off. Oh, and also, if you hit any walls, it just kills all your momentum. So there's uh, several puzzles towards the end where you're having to ride a couch and use the different powers, which the game has four different powers. It has slow time. It has uh, fluffy, which is the furry dimension. <laughs> okay. You're piquing my interest. <laughs> uh, and I'm um, actually kind of not joking about that because uh, in the manor, you have all these portraits uh, around the place. And one of them is uh, professor quadrangle. And as you change dimensions, it changes all the portraits in the manor, which is a nice little touch. You know, it gives you an idea of what to expect from uh, that dimension. And the fluffy dimension, which makes everything lighter, uh, puts him in a giant unicorn outfit. And No, I'm nice. not joking. Nice. I'm in. But let's see. That's it. I'm in. There's slow time. There's uh, the fluffy. And then there's the inverse, the heavy dimension. Okay. And uh, then there's the inverse gravity. You know, reverse gravity. Well, the combination of having to juggle all those, and granted, not every chamber, room, whatever, had you handle all four. As a matter of fact, it was a rarity to get all four. Trying to balance everything while doing puzzle platforming, and some of the uh, jumps were damn tight, or just having to ride some of the safes or riding some of the couches made it just an exercise in frustration. On top of that, having it where the physics didn't feel quite as exact as they should be. And that sometimes I was having it where doing the same action over and over again would uh, result in different things happening. Which is a death sentence for a puzzle, well, for a physics-based puzzle game. And just leads to just pure frustration for a puzzle platformer. At one point, I was uh, summoning this uh, same safe over and over again and watching it do different flips as it spawned and ending up in different spots uh, in this little area that you had to uh, maneuver it out of. And it's just one of those things that it feels 
like they just didn't spend enough time on it or they didn't spend enough time play testing it. Yeah, if you can't trust the physics and and what things are going to do in a puzzle game, you might as well not even bother. Yeah. Cuz in order for those games to work, you either have to have rules that work and everyone trusts or have agreed up front that things are going to be a little weird in this game. And even then, the rules still have to make sense. Like there has to be a, an acceptable deviation. It can't just be whatever cuz it's messed up or something like that. Yeah, and I was just, I was going to this expecting to be more portal-like, where I was going to use the physics to solve puzzles, instead of doing a lot of platforming, and that's what really got me about this game, was just the pure amount of platforming. Especially since we played uh, both Portal and Portal 2, you know, for a game club this week. Yeah. Just seeing the contrast between how the two games are handled. Uh, and well, uh, this is roaching on game club uh, content, so I won't talk too much about it just yet. But a lot of Portal's uh, platforming sections are almost on rails, where if you hit a certain amount of momentum uh, for a jump, you'll make the jump no matter what because of how Portal works. But be. <laughs> Speaking of momentum. Yeah, it really. comes our weekly train segment. Choo choo, motherfucker. Yeah, and the problem is that just, it's always different. Let me just barrel on into this section of the podcast. You love the train, don't you? I do always enjoy the train. I heard it just faintly. And I went, ooh, here comes the train. Yeah, and that's the Anyways. problem is that uh, if I'm talking, I can't hear the uh, faint tr- uh, train whistle. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But speaking of breaking momentum, <laughs> right? Uh, oh, where was I? I was. Uh, uh, you said that they were kind of on rails, and if you get enough momentum, basically you're gonna make it. Yeah. Well. Uh, well, a lot of uh, quantum conundrums uh, platforming sections. You have actual platforming, as in you're making each individual jump, and if you fail. You could go back to the beginning of the uh, entire section of that entire room, I should say. And checkpoints uh, are only really existent in some of the larger rooms. Uh, Not to say that they're rare, because it it tends to be where they'll have a lot of uh, larger rooms that you tackle in segments instead of how Portal handles it and does, you know, this large sprawling going throughout the entire room. You'll uh, just go. Okay, here's the first part of this uh, section. Here's the second part. Now you have to solve the third. And they're usually fairly simple. Uh, Granted, there's some things that was... uh, After going uh, through it and looking at it and playing it, it's like, okay, how was I supposed to get this without just getting uh, frustrated? There was one jump in particular where... Uh, I just got stuck on my uh, video series and I eventually had to just go look up the solution. And the solution of it was I make the jump uh, and then unfreeze time, have everything kind of shuffle around in the air and then uh, freeze time again and continue my jumping sequence. And I hadn't really had something like that happen to me yet. And That's there, really frustrating. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's... Uh, there's a 
severe lack of training in the game. Which yeah. uh, I think also leads to the frustration. On top of that, the, well, uh, I should have mentioned this with the physics, but there's a little bit of a momentum whenever you're moving. Just enough to throw you off, especially if you're hitting some of the smaller platforms, or sorry, safes. And it's just one of those things that, there, it's just, it's all these little things that kind of just add up. On top of, I, I wouldn't call this a bad game. I would call this about mediocre if you could stomach it being a first person puzzle platformer. And that's the real thing is that they kind of hid that fact. And it's one of those things that I could definitely understand why, because yeah, first person puzzle platformer isn't nearly as fun as saying, Oh yeah, we're like portal on, on top of the story was also a huge disappointment. Should I spoil the story? You can. I'm probably never going to play this game. Uh, well, I'll uh, give you the story in one word. Cliffhanger. Oh, nice. Yeah, and since the studio is defunct, you are not going to see Quantum Conundrum 2, or most likely. I mean, there's always the possibility, but odds are very slim. And because there's a cliffhanger, you know, it feels ex- exceptionally pointless. But on top of that, it's one of those things that Okay, I did the entire game and you gave me that as an ending? Really? Uh, essentially, I'll go ahead and spoil it. I, I don't... Uh, it will maybe save some people some uh, grief. I don't know. Okay, so you get to the end of uh, the three wings of the house to power on the uh, the generators, and then a fourth wing opens up. Fine. Whatever. And the entire house starts shaking. And, you know, and then uh, Uncle Q says... Hmm, maybe that was a bad idea. <laughs> no shit. Well, you get to the end of the fourth wing, and he suddenly regains his memory about why he's in this little pocket dimension. It was an escape pod, and him turning on all the generators and doing his experiment caused a bad thing to happen. They never actually explained why, I don't think. And you essentially trade places with him, and you end up in the escape pod dimension, and he ends up in the ruins of the house now. And the, uh, I guess the hook for Quantum Conundrum 2 was going to be you would play Uncle Q and trying to save your nephew. Yeah, that's not going to happen now. That's not... Yeah, that's not a good ending, is it? A good ending. It's not a good cliffhanger, that's not a good regular ending. Alright. I mean, they did have kind of the quirky song, but the thing is, I was so annoyed, I was like, fucking, and I clicked out of it. It's it's a mediocre wannabe portal. And the fact that it has a designer from Portal behind it is just astonishing to me. It's like they learned every wrong lesson from Portal. Which is disappointing. Yeah. So, any questions? Not really. I mean, I feel like you explained it pretty well. (laughs) It doesn't sound that great to me. I mean, if you really want to play it, I I mean, it it could be worth your time if you go into it with the proper mindset. But the thing is that there there are some really neat segments. uh, And some of the first-person platforming, when they handle it right has some uh, neat segments where you're uh, 
going through uh, time stopped uh, uh, segments where you uh, jump onto a couch and or, or a safe or whatever, and then it, uh, you know, you sail through this long sequence. I mean, that is kind of a neat sequence. But then you hit the ones where you have to do some. Prefer- there's one sequence towards the end, and uh, I know I'm probably railing a lot, especially on the last, probably about third of the game. But that's what's freshest in my mind, and where the where some of the issues really were showing. There's a sequence where you have small platforms that you have to jump onto. All right, already fun for a first person game, right? Absolutely, just the best. And on top of that, you also have to swap, uh, or or basically toggle your inverse uh, gravity uh, power on and off. And now, thankfully, the, or thankfully or unthankfully, uh, depending on your, uh, on the puzzle, the powers do not affect you as a player. So if you're swapping the direction of gravity, it, you're still going to fall, fall essentially down while things fly up towards you. But okay. uh, toggling the gravity makes it so that these uh, platforms that are on a hinge, if they're down, they come up and lock into a horizontal place where you could uh, jump onto them. So you can see where we're going with this, huh? Yes. So the normal ones that are that drop down uh, will uh, raise up uh, flush against the wall and you can't jump onto them. So you're having to go through the sequence of I would say probably about 15 to 20 jumps toggling on and off the reverse gravity power and you miss one, you go back to the start. (laughs) And some of them are jump, swap, jump, swap, swap, jump. And it's just, oh, very, very, very frustrating. Oh, and also at one point I clipped through one of the uh, platforms. (laughs) (laughs) That's always great. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess I swapped the power too late and it didn't register as down, even though the bottle showed uh, the platform in place. So I fell right through it. Yeah. Uh, quantum conundrum. Where or where did you go wrong? Well, other than the places I mentioned. <laughs> Probably a few others as well. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's one game I don't feel the desire to play. What's uh, what's your other game? Oh, my other game is a failed uh, Sunday sampler just because it kept crashing, well, crashing with my recording software running, which I don't begrudge it because, yeah, uh, uh, hooking into a, a game can be iffy at times anyway. So, you know, I, I'm not going to knock it for that. This is another first-person platformer, <laughs> but this one was actually kind of decent. It was very rough around the edges, but I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than Quantum Conundrum. But it also, well, it it is a puzzle game, kind of, but it's one of those things that uh, maybe it's just I'm hanging out with you too much that it's a very rough game but I could appreciate what it's doing. It's called Suicide Guy. Probably the worst name imaginable for a game these days. Yeah, it's you, incredibly deceptive. You are this fat slob who fell asleep watching TV. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. You want to know the premise of the game? (laughs) (laughs) 
You almost got that right. I'm a fat slob who falls asleep at his computer desk. Close. Close. Good try, though. Well, anyway, the idea of the game is that you fell asleep watching TV and you dropped your beer and you're trying to wake up in time to grab your beer. And to do that, you have to go through a sequence of uh, dream states uh, and essentially kill yourself in them to wake up. So technically, it is, uh, you know, you are committing suicide, but at the same time, you know, the fact that they have to put a disclaimer that this game is not about depression or suicide shows that maybe, just maybe, they should have thought about their title a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it is a pretty good title in terms of like, wow, that grabs your attention, and it creates a very strong expectation, but uh, not for this game. And really, Suicide Title, probably not a title you should use, or Suicide Guy, probably not a title you should use, period, really, but it is pretty catchy. Yeah, true. Okay, so, uh, this is probably about a three to four hour game, somewhere around in there. And yes, yes, it is very, very, very rough. To the point where some of it almost feels early access-ish. And uh, the different levels are uh, uh, based around different ideas or different uh, themes. Like there's one that is definitely not Mario. No, no siree. Because these question mark blocks have an exclamation point on them as well. But then there's other ones that are... You know, you have a level where you wake up in a lighthouse with a copy of Moby Dick and you have to annoy a whale <laughs> to attack the lighthouse. Okay. So it's not quite video game related, but, you know, it still has that idea. And uh, the reason why I say that some of the levels feel very rough, uh, particularly ones that have large set pieces in them, like the Moby Dick uh, level, is that some of the... Uh, things that you would expect to be animated aren't. Like, uh, let's say, for instance, the whale. It is not animated at all. It's like it's a bath toy being moved around. <laughs> but at the same time, there it's one of those things that it's a very, very rough game, but, the same, but you have to look at it and think, okay, am I supposed to... Uh, is this missing an animation uh, it, that you know they just didn't have the money and time to do, or is this an artistic thing? And that's one of those things that I'm not sure which it is. Or you know maybe they just you know have the whale doing these strange movements while staying pretty much perfectly still. You know it does move its mouth, of course, uh, as a, just a rule funny you know. It looks funny, uh, you know, just diving down and swimming sideways. <laughs> right. I see. So that reminds me of Stanley Parable. I've seen something that looks like Portal. Yeah, there's a Portal level. There's a, uh, well, there, it's not a Stanley Parable level, but there's an office level, of course. There's uh, the Mario level. There's the first level, you're on a train. Yay, trains. Choo-choo, motherfucker. But the, all the levels are very diverse, and I didn't really notice anything reused. So maybe it's uh, just assets from a Unity store or something, which 
is not a sin of itself. And the fact that all the parts, you know, mesh together, yeah, yeah, it's definitely not a, a sin then. Uh, I didn't notice anything particularly out of place outside of, yeah, just, huh, the whale isn't moving quite right. Or there's a Jurassic Park uh, level and the dinosaur just kind of stands there and does a single auto animation that, yeah, is, yeah, barely moves. But at the same time, yeah, maybe that's the entire point, you know? Yeah. But here's the thing that, yeah, made this a lot less frustrating for me than Quantum Conundrum. This guy has upper body strength. <laughs> if you miss a jump, he could actually pull himself up onto a ledge. Yeah, I, I see that in the video. Yeah, that's a very minor thing that, you know, is pretty much bog standard now for uh, most platformers. But you don't see it a lot in first person platformers. And it makes such a huge gameplay difference. And the fact that he actually has legs as well. I mean, you can look down and look at your gut. <laughs> yes. That is absolutely what I want to see. Because that would make me feel just like I was doing it for real. Look down and see my gut. No, no. It gets better. Okay. Two words. Jiggle physics. <laughs> Please tell me they're for your man boobs. No, just the gut. Oh. Sad day, but okay. Yeah, sorry. I, I guess I've uh, taken this off your wish list now. Nah, it's still there. But yeah, it's it's one of those games that I didn't think it was that bad. Which, you know, I, for, for me, it's high praise, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is. Usually this is my sort of territory where I'd be like, yeah, it's a little bit rough, it's got some issues, but, you know, golly gee, they, they tried something... Neat. Well, maybe it's just fun. The, maybe it's just the fact that this guy has upper body strength, and they did interesting things with the levels. Where uh, the portal level is pretty simple to figure out. I mean, it, you know, it, it, you could probably figure it out. Uh, just me saying, okay, you have to kill yourself in portal uh, as a regular guy. Yeah, but then uh, the tower level where you have this long tower that you have to climb, and it has uh, I want to say four or five different puzzles in it to uh, defeat. It, it was really well put together. And it's just, uh, it, yes, yes, it is rough, but it, I enjoyed it. And I don't think it really would outstay its welcome. Granted, I was starting to hit the point where I was running into vehicle sections, which could be you know, a game changer. Okay. And I didn't really spend enough time to figure out that uh, I got to level 13 out of 25 with, you know, about the halfway point. And uh, that's the first time that I hit a vehicle and it was a very, very rough vehicle section, but eh. well, technically I already had a vehicle section with the spaceship that, you know, definitely not the enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Definitely not. You can, you can tell in the video that it's definitely not the enterprise. In the in the trailer, I should say, you can tell definitely not. But yeah, uh, uh, if you want to play something cheap that yeah, uh, those are a lot of different uh, themed levels at you. It's not a terrible uh, way to spend five bucks. Nice. I might spend five bucks. 
Or just wait for it to go on sale and spend three or two or maybe even yeah. one. Could do that too. Okie dokie. Well, does that mean it's my turn? I think so. Sweet. So pretty much the only, no, not the only, but the game I played the most this week was Mass Effect Andromeda. So I bought it on PC. Um, and boy, oh boy, howdy, is that much better than playing on console. Everything that I said about the Xbox One version still stands true. Like, I'm really proud of seeing a console game that gives you some some graphical options and, um, you know, it still played well and things like that. But, man, playing games at 60 FPS is so great. You should give it a try. Um, and also, the game obviously looks way better because I've got powerful hardware behind it. So I can run it at 1080, 60 with everything set to ultra maximum. And Yeah, but do you have the highest quality pixels? I, you know what? I don't have the highest quality pixels, but I'm okay with that because I have real graphical options and hardware. But yeah, anyways, but not yeah. the highest quality pixels, so it doesn't count. Yeah, fuck them. But yeah, <laughs> I've got it running 1080p, 60, everything on ultra. I mean, it doesn't skip a beat. Uh, the there actually have been a couple of times where the frame rate dips into like the mid 50s. Whenever you get into some actual conversations with people that I'm assuming it's still being rendered like everything's being rendered in real time but the camera punches in on the people talking and so you get a lot more details on faces and things I assume that's why it slows down just a little bit because that takes some extra effort but yeah it has to try okay don't derp don't derp don't derp there's actually less derp on PC version Uh, in fact I haven't seen any derp there has been some stuff that looks a little bit weird, and I think it's just that sort of uncanny valley territory, like the way they rendered the faces and eyes, making them seem a little off. But there's no, there's not been any derp. Like there's been no eyes rolling in the back of the heads. There's been no mouse <laughs> doing anything weird. I assume that that just comes down to the fact that that any issues that could be happening on consoles don't happen on PCs, maybe because of more powerful hardware. Like, some kind of issue that occasionally causes them to bug out doesn't happen because more powerful processors and GPUs don't have those issues. I I don't know. I have no idea. But, I mean, I've played it for, like, I don't know, 16 hours or so on PC and haven't seen a single derp face or weird, like, walk or anything. So, I don't know. I have no clue. So, Um, this is no longer a Ministry of uh, Silly Walks approved game. Got it. No. No, it's not. Not if you play on PC. But, uh, I mean, the main things I want to call attention to, so I spent about four hours getting to where it took me to get in 10-ish on the console, just because I knew where everything was, and I was, like, skipping all the dialogue, because I knew what everyone had to say, because it was so fresh in my mind. Um, Playing it farther, I got to the point where I can basically try to start banging everyone, and this is the most inclusive that they have ever been with being able to bang people. Like, your entire Yeah, they've included nipples. Your entire crew and, like, half the people it feels like on the Nexus, you can be like, there's a flirt option. It's like, hey, how you doing? And it's like one person just straight up's like, hey, I think you're hot. We should totally, we should totally make out. Like, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like, that's like, you do that. And then the guy's like, you're not very subtle, are you, Ryder? She's like, hey, I know what I want. He's like, I'll <laughs> remember that. But it's just great the way that it lets you do it because, like, Nobody and now I'm having a telltale uh, 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 flashback. So and so, 
Oh, oh, remember this. Yeah, but I love the way that they do it. Like, I think that this is pretty much how it would happen in real life. It's like you go to flirt with someone and they're like, hey, you know what? I appreciate the fact that you're interested in me, but actually I don't like girls. I like dudes because I'm still playing female writer. It's like I'm into dudes and it's like, all right, I can respect that. And, And it doesn't hurt your relationships or anything with any of the other people. So that's nice. Uh, it's it's split pretty evenly. There's like three or four romanceable characters that are just into you. They're they're by. They don't care. There's three or four that uh, only like dudes, and there's three or four that only like uh, only like chicks. So that's pretty nice. I mean, there might be some more that I haven't found yet, but I mean, so far it's been fairly split. Uh, they also tackle an interesting issue about religion. One of the people that you can initiate, uh, or that you can try and romance is religious. Uh, some sort of, it seems like Buddhist or Taoist sort of Eastern religion where they, you know, energies and karma and Mm -hmm. things like that. But they tackle it in a really mature way and you can have like some pretty decent conversations with this character and like ask them about their religion and their beliefs. And I mean, you can be an asshole to them. Like one of the options is to just like make fun of them for having religious beliefs, or you can just like learn about them. And that's pretty cool. Bioware is so fucking good in my opinion at putting together dialogue and, and developing characters. Um, I mean, that's been my, what's hooked me really since KOTOR. That was the first game I ever played of Bioware was KOTOR. So, I mean, I, I've been on board with that since day one. I feel like every game they do, they get better at it. Um, also, I've noticed, it. I didn't realize this at first, but I've noticed that there's no Paragon or Renegade system anymore. Like, you make choices, and those choices have consequences, but no one ever says, like, that was a good choice, or that was a bad choice. Just like, well, that's the choice you made. Like, uh, for example, the first colony that you place you get to choose whether it's a science or like a research colony or a military colony, which is basically like um, the science colony is more focused on civilian stuff and the military colony is more focused on defense and creating militia and things like that. And uh, I chose the science colony because I'm like, hey, we're not here to wage war. We're here to, to build new civilizations. But... Everyone was like, hey, that was a really tough choice. I'm not sure if I would have made the same choice, but you're the boss and we're going to support you. And there were some story consequences a little bit later. There were some people who were upset because they were their families weren't going to get to come out of cryosleep sooner because you chose the science guys over the military guys. And I assume the same thing would have happened in reverse. But at no point does anyone go like, nope, you got some bad points for that or oh, you got some good points for that. It just opened up some different story options. And I've noticed that happening a lot more often the farther I get in. Some of it's small-scale stuff. Some of it's large-scale stuff. So like you're saying that there's no reporters to punch? Uh, no, there's still people to punch. You just don't get renegade points for punching them. But that made me feel so much better to get the renegade points for uh, yeah, punching that ass. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, def- I, I decked the reporter immediately. I hated that reporter. Dumb bitch. But anyways... Um, there's another point a little bit later on where you meet this character and you're trying to earn his trust and you genuinely like, you can lie to him or you can tell him the truth. And I mean, I told him the truth, but when he found out, I told him the truth. He's like, wow, I really appreciate you telling me the truth. That means I trust you a little bit more now. And then it opens up some additional dialogue options with him. And I, uh, I think it's fast tracked one of the quests that I was trying to do for him. 
and it's just I like that much better. Di- it you know it feels much more dynamic as opposed to oh you told me the truth here have some some light side points. I mean, that system only really makes sense in the Star Wars games, and even then, it's kind of a feels kind of like a stretch. But so that's nice. I really like that aspect about it. Um, and really, that's all I wanted to say. You know, I as I go forward in the story, as I get towards the end, I might talk about some of the things that I really didn't like about the game, or really did like about the game overall. But I mean, I'm really enjoying it. I don't think. I think it's good that I waited until after all of the bugs and everything were fixed because if the game was completely un- unplayable, I would be, I would be upset. But I don't think it's a Why bad game. Why would you be happy just, that the game is unplayable? <laughs> I just think it's a different game than the other Mass Effects, and in a way, I like it more because it there is a lot more to it of exploring and discovery. And I mean, I said that last week. It's it's really nice to watch your settlements grow and um, the changes you make to the space station and how it develops as you go along and new wings open up and things like that. And I, I like that sense of exploration and like, I did this, like, I know it's a video game, but it, it gives me, you know, it makes me feel good. Like, yeah, that's right. I made these choices and I fixed all this shit. feels good. I like it. Um, other game that I played this week, Minecraft. Uh, Gee, I never heard of this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to talk too much about it, just I wound up playing it a lot with another one of my kids, again, working on some uh, communication skills and and being able to work well with others, and uh, we're just playing playing some Minecraft and building ourselves a little little house and, you know, doing Minecrafty things, chopping down trees with our bare fists and digging into the ground with wooden tools. Yeah, I remember, dig straight down. Absolutely. But uh, it's it's nice. It's really re- relaxing. And this kid is super combative and argumentative, but as soon as we start playing games, it's like, yeah, let's discuss things and what, what resources do you need? Oh, let's work together to build this house before the first night comes and all the creepers come and eat and blow us up. So it's been nice. And I, I actually went and I installed it on my laptop. I'm probably going to play it a little bit by myself because Minecraft for, is a great podcast game for me. And it's very relaxing. That's the main reason I play Minecraft. Just like, listen, to, you know, kind of like when I, whatever I play Euro Truck 4 or whatever, just kind of get into my Zen state, listen to some podcasts, chill out, relax. And it's been a while since I've done that in Minecraft. And it's one of those games that every once in a while I'll just reinstall it and play for a bit. I'm trying to remember what the mod was that I installed, but added a bunch of uh, extra creatures. And uh, my biggest Minecraft memory is. This uh, giant ogre creature. Uh, I just started this world. It was the first night. And I found this uh, kind of just uh, partial room behind a waterfall. So I sealed it up to wait out the night. And then I hear something getting closer and closer and closer. And then suddenly the wall gets bashed in. And he comes through like the fucking Kool-Aid man. (laughs) And kills me. Nice. And th- this thing was three blocks tall. I mean, and too wide. I mean, it was just a yeah, this massive ogre, and it just yeah went right through the wall. <laughs> I-, I assume that it was a rare creature that I ran into. I at least I hope if it was that uh, you know, because if it was uh, a common thing in that mod, that would just you know kill it because you know 
get just dying over and over again against a creature that you had no chance to defeat on the first night is just you know not fun. Yeah, yeah, that. But but, yeah, it's just one of those. There's something's coming closer. What the hell is that? I've never heard that. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. But yeah, I mean, I might I might have some Minecraft stories in the coming weeks if I get back into it again. I'm definitely gonna play it a little bit, but we'll see. Uh, and then the other game I played this week was Grand Theft Auto Five. Once again, another client. Um, this kid is way too young to be playing Grand Theft Auto, but joining with a client usually outweighs and like you, yeah, usually outweighs like the negatives of doing something that might not be best for them. I mean. Unless you're like doing drugs with your clients, but that's a whole nother thing. So where's where's the line on fucking them? <laughs> that should never should never cross that line. Uh, but anyways, he and I played for probably two hours total this week, or well, since last week. Um, and some of the things that I'm I'm not sure if some of the problems are the fact that it's it's on console because he's got a PS4, so we've played it on PS4. But there are a lot of game design issues in GTA that I do not like. Oh, don't worry, Shark Cards fixes it. Um, I don't like the the movement system is terrible. Everything, yeah, you're gonna have to explain that one a little bit more because I haven't played GTA Five yet. Everything has got a little bit of not lag. Everything just feels really slow and floaty and lazy. Uh, I don't. Is it- Sort of like how GTA 4 had uh, some uh, momentum and uh, inertia in their uh, movement system with the Euphoria uh, procedural animations. Yes, actually, that's a pretty. That's probably what it is. Um, but I don't like it. It makes everything feel like it's like it's underwater. Um, so, just in my opinion, just like generally walking around and doing anything is way too imprecise and complicated again that could be the issue that you know i'm using a controller instead of a mouse keyboard and mouse but i don't like it uh the driving's fine Drive actually driving is way better than grand theft auto 4 so that's well uh gta 4 was more uh realistic where uh cars had weight to them and i actually really like gta 4's driving once i got used to it but that's the thing is that there's that initial uh well, hump to get over. And uh, the same with the uh, procedural, well, the Euphoria animations, where it, it was hilarious, uh, you know, getting drunk and, you know, watching a character f- uh, flail around. Uh, but for some things, it definitely, uh, I would have preferred just canned animations. Yeah. Granted, also, there was a couple. There was one mission where you shot guys off a roof, and you know, you're watching them tumble uh, as a proper ragdoll. Was nice. I also the, my biggest problem is I hate having to tap a button to sprint. Yeah, but that's I get, pretty much how it is in the GTA series. I get so I was getting so frustrated. This kid was like, "Why don't you just sprint?" I was like, "No, I refuse to tap that button. You're just gonna have to wait on me or go without me." He was like, okay, I'll wait for you. I mean, it's like it's like this 11-year-old kid, and I'm like complaining about game design stuff with him right there. And he's like, but but I really like it. And I was like, well, yeah, but you're 11. You don't know any better. I do. Yeah, but the thing is, that it's been like that since, well, 
well, I'm assuming GTA 3. Uh, Denver really played that much of GTA 3. Vice City was the first one that I really spent a lot of time with. And, you know, it was like that there. So, yeah. you know, it's legacy design. But it, that really comes down to the fact that you don't really have a lot of buttons. <laughs> yeah. It, it makes me wonder, uh, do, are we due for work buttons on the standard controller? I don't know. I mean... Is it something maybe closer to the Steam controller where you have the extra paddles on the back? I mean, you have a total... I guess if you count each of the D-pads as one. Let's see. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen. Sixteen buttons if you count start and select. And I'm also including the clicking yeah, down well, of the thumbstick. Well, who counts starts and select? Really nobody. So, fourteen buttons. I don't know. I mean, most... I don't know how many keys most pc games use i never really thought about it because you have well, so well, many well, think you don't about have to this. worry how, about it how many uh triple a, well especially triple a but you're just console games in general has that you know context button where it does 20 billion things depending on what uh you know, you're looking at many of them i just like the context button it makes it difficult to do some things sometimes some games, though, just do just well. I mean, even though I'm playing it on PC, I'm still playing Mass Effect Andromeda with my controller. Although the combat is a very small portion of that game. You do mostly driving and stuff. I just kick back in my chair. I've got, like, a little stool I bring in here so I can recline in front of my desk. And I just recline and play with my controller. It's great. But, I mean, like, games like... Even, like, games like um, Skyrim or, you know, like the Bethesda RPGs... I can't play those with controller anymore because there's too many functions that you need multiple buttons for and the context stuff and all their quick menus and everything are bullshit. So, well, me, I absolutely detest the thumb, uh, thumbstick look, you know, just that sluggish, uh, looking, uh, left and right. Yeah. If I couldn't do it, if mass effect was a first person game as well, but since it's third person, I've just punched out the FOV all the way and that's not really too much of a problem. And like I said, combat is such a small part of the game. Don't have to worry about it. But yeah, I can't stand first person looking around with a, a controller anymore. Yeah, it drives Usually, me nuts whatever. I see gameplay footage and it's obviously gamepad because of just how, they, uh, how they're how uh, they not only just looking left and right, but how they move. Yeah. Because that's one thing I've noticed is that for most of the time, uh, gamepad gameplay people sidestep a lot instead of yeah, looking left and right. Yeah. Well, I, whenever I play games with a gamepad now, I turn the sensitivity up to maximum. And even then, it's usually too slow. But most people are like, like most of these kids now that I'm in there, you know, going to their homes to play games with them. They're like, how can you like see what you're doing? It's like, you should try playing games on, on a PC kid. This is so slow. You'll get so used to moving so quickly and so precisely. You'll get frustrated at the lack of control you have with the controller i'll just imagine uh well if it was ever updated can you imagine tf2 on uh, the console where uh, the big thing to counter a spot is to glance over your shoulder every so often i mean i've played tf2 on a console and you just don't do that <laughs> spies are way worse on console and i mean stuff could have changed it's been years since i played it but uh, tf2 only got like two or three updates on uh, the consoles but then yeah. again, uh, TF2 also got 300-some updates on PC. 
three hundred something and counting. Yeah. Yeah. But so anyways, back to Grand Theft Auto Five. I just I don't know. I'd like to play it on PC and give it a shot, but a lot of the things that I've experienced so far just make me not really want to play the game as much anymore. Like I don't want to put in all the work to get the cool stuff in Grand Theft Auto Online or in GTA Online, which but would you make, just buy it. which would make playing with our friends like make that fun. I don't like a lot of the aspects of the game, which would make the single player less fun for me. And it never goes on sale for less than like twenty five or thirty bucks. So, I don't know. I was kind of sad though. Like GTA is is a big game that I enjoy playing, or well, used to, but. Could just be that I've changed as a gamer. Probably is that. Or my expectations well, well, are. Like, I think it may be a little bit of you changed as a gamer, but also GTA has changed. Yeah, and even though I mean, between the two of us, I've got you know obviously the reputation for me like yeah, that's good enough. I can love this. Like my expectations are a bit higher for certain things, and GTA Five is just not what I expected it to be once I played it. And I mean, I'd like to, like I said, I'd like to play it on PC give it a shot that way but I mean the only way to do that is to buy it try it and then if it sucks refund it and you can do yeah, that which, but uh, yeah, I don't want to do that which two hours is not enough time to really get a feel for a GTA hell you can't get out of the tutorials in two hours on GTA at least if GTA 5 is anything like the last three four in the series yeah so that kind of sucks I was looking forward to playing it but yeah. You know, you win some, you lose some. I'm sure this will make several of our listeners sad. I know that they love GTA Five. I mean, I'm I do want to play it at some point. It's just uh, they have no incentive to really put it on a strong discount because GTA Online is just a money generator. I I kind of wish GTA Online was a separate game. I yeah, I had that I had that thought actually when I was playing it. Because we did do some single-player stuff a little bit and just kind of took turns. But then uh, we... Uh, his brother's got a PS4, too. And so then we used the PS4 one time to play multiplayer together. And I was like, why isn't this just a separate game that they sell for, I don't know, 20 or 25 bucks? They could still have the shark cards and everything in it. They'd still make money that way. Well, supposedly they were going to have single-player DLC, but there's no incentive to uh, do it because, you know you don't get nearly as much money out of it. I mean, I understand why they focused on GTA Online, because they would be stupid not to, but at the same time, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, oh well. Maybe someday it'll be cheap enough that I want to buy it. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Probably after GTA 6 comes out. Yeah, in like five or six more years. Oh, you're being optimistic. Yeah, I guess so. Alrighty. Well, I think that wraps us up for the games this week. And, of course, we went over a little bit. But that's uh, okay. Only 15 or so minutes. Um, Do you need to take a quick break before we dive into Game Club, or are you good? I think I'm alright, unless you need to go. Uh, I think I'm okay. My throat's getting a little bit... I don't know, a little bit scratchy, but I've got plenty of liquids here, so I'll be fine. Oh, ma. Alrighty. Well, then let's go talk about our monthly game club. Portal Wh- 1 and 2. Which, what is the game club? That, that's something we start or need to start doing. 
Right. We have gotten some new Twitter followers and uh, presumably some new listeners who this may be their first game club or, you know, second game club, whatever. But they're not entirely sure what game club is. Game club is a thing that we do every month where we, we love at least stolen from somewhere that I don't recall where you stole it from. So, uh, yeah, from the patch, which was the Rooster Teeth video game podcast, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, but they did a game club where that they would play a game every two to three episodes. Like everyone on the show would play it together, and I like that idea because uh, you and I play lots of games, but in general we have different tastes, and even the games that we like, we have different very different ways to approach games. So we said, you know what? Yeah, Let's... you like to touch everything and uh, break things. I do. I do. And you just like to complain about things and be very grumpy. And get sun on fire. <laughs> yeah, and get sun on fire. Um, but so anyway, so for Game Club, we said, you know what? We'll do that. Once a month, we'll each play a game, uh, and then we'll talk about it. And, you know, things we liked, disliked, do we recommend it or not? Some games have taken... A long time to go through. Some games have been pretty quickly. But I think this one will be somewhere in between. Portal's got a decent amount of substance to it, but it's fairly mechanically focused, especially Portal 1. And the mechanical discussions always go faster. Yeah, and we decided, uh, since Portal 1 is so short, just throw Portal 1 in with Portal 2 and do the entire series. Yep. Which you played this in probably about the worst order possible because you did Portal 2 multiplayer with me ages ago. Then I assume that you did Portal 1 and Portal 2 single player. <laughs> well, I have played Portal 1 previously. Uh, I played, what was it, Still Alive? The one that came on the orange box. Yeah, which is different. Yeah, so I played that one initially several years ago. And then we played Portal 2 multiplayer. And then I played Portal 2. So, yeah. Yeah, I think bit Still Alive has there. extra content in it. I'm not 100% sure. I looked I looked it up. Uh, it's got extra puzzles, like no extra story content or anything, just a few additional puzzles and some random dialogue. The only thing that it changes is the ending. Um, Chell gets dragged back into Actually, that's the facility. In, uh, no, that's uh, in uh, that was patched into the portal on Steam as well. Oh, okay. I did uh, not realize that. Yeah, they that was kind of that was the initial hint that, huh, that's weird. They changed the ending. That they did that before they announced Portal Two. As a matter of fact, uh, in well, well, on the PC version, in uh, Portal One, there's radios all over the place that's playing the uh, kind of jazzy version of Still Alive. Yeah, and if you collected all of them, uh, it unlocked a piece of an ARG that was the lead up to Portal 2. Interesting. Didn't know that. And now you know. And knowing's half the battle. Gee, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) But so anyways, we're going to do Portal 1, then Portal 2, then Portal 2 multiplayer. And we're just going to talk about every aspect of each game, or I guess for Portal 2 multiplayer, uh, that, that game mode. Yeah, and uh, technically that there, there's another one that we're really not going to talk about is uh, there's a little bit of uh, stuff with the uh, workshop content where they have some uh, voice lines there as well. The infinite testing facility or whatever? Yeah. Okay, I didn't look into that at all. 
Well, uh, that's one of those things that when it came out, I was to the line separately. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's not even Gladys for that. Who is it? Cave Johnson. Oh, interesting. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you probably want to go listen to that. That's about fifteen or twenty minutes worth of uh, dialogue. Pretty much random though, but eh. uh, there's callbacks to the uh, game as well. Yeah, I'll have to go listen to that um, later. Yeah, but we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Yeah, so Portal One. Um, the kind of the hidden gem of the orange box. This was uh, this came out of nowhere for a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's very short. Um, unless you're like really bad at it, you can beat it in two or three hours. Yeah, uh, well, I think I took about three this time around, but I was also listening to the developer commentary throughout it. Yeah, I, well, I didn't that's, do that. What's that's? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I want more games to have developer commentary. Yeah, um, I probably will do another playthrough actually in the near to medium future and and uh, play them both with developer commentary. Wait, does Portal Two have developer commentary? Yes. Okay, yeah. I, I played through Portal play Two with developer commentary as well. Grin, it, it, there's a lot in the beginning. Then towards the middle, there's not a lot. Uh, you have one or two nodes here or there. Then towards the end, it, it picks up again. Okay. Yeah. So Portal One, um, like you said, a uh, sort of a hidden gem that that came out of nowhere back in what two thousand nine, or was it earlier than that? Uh, probably should have wrote down the release dates for these, shouldn't we? Probably that, should have that, done that. That, that would have been professional. That would have been the smart professional thing to do. 2007. Okay, so it's even older than I thought. Yeah, it's got, uh, nearly 10 years old. And at the time, it was, it had a lot of groundbreaking stuff in it. Um, it coming it, off it, of... It, it, I don't think it's the first uh, first-person puzzler, but it definitely kicked off the genre. Showing the just what can be done with it. Yeah. What can be done when you combine some of the physics aspects of uh, the Half-Life games with uh, specifically puzzle-based first-person gameplay and having the GLaDOS, her wit. I mean, GLaDOS wasn't as big of a thing in, in the original Portal, but there's still plenty of times where she's quippy and witty and mm-hmm. sarcastic and particularly towards about the middle of the game. But, yeah. Uh, where you may be getting ahead of ourselves. Well, I want to ask you, what do you think of the art style real quick? Uh, you know, that uh, sterile uh, test chamber. Um, It's interesting. It's in some ways it's very beautiful and minimalistic. And in other ways it's kind of ugly and, you don't really pay attention but to it But it also gives much. a really good stark contrast to uh, whenever you start breaking uh, the rules of the game. Uh, or rules and, yeah, sarcasm quotes. Yeah, the, the rules of uh, the but facility, the, But I the guess. reason why I asked that is that originally uh, they it wasn't in Aperture. It was in Nova Prospect in the Half-Life universe. Well, granted, it's still in the Half-Life universe, but it was in Half-Life 2's universe. Right. And it was a lot busier. And that's something that they talked about quite a bit uh, in the developer commentary. And something that, if it was uh, looked more like a, just a mod for uh, Half-Life 2, I think they would have lost a lot in this game. 
I agree. I really, even though it's in some ways, you know, sometimes it's like brilliant, and in other ways, like I said, it looks kind of dirty, and you don't notice it. I, that art style is what makes Portal a lot of what the game it is. Like, I mean, it it makes perfect sense. Like, you're at a test chamber, you're doing these weird tests for this sadistic computer, and everything is sterile and fairly nondescript. But if it was anywhere else, I don't think it would have worked as well. Yeah, there's uh, uh, some footage of when it was a essentially a mod for Half-Life 2, and it just looks like a, such a different game. It's one of those things that uh, you look at it and think how sterile and boring it looks, but then you realize just how much that makes a game. Well, also, if it's busier, it makes the puzzling aspect more difficult. Yeah, and that's probably part of the reason why I was having trouble with Quantum Conundrum and I didn't like it is that it uh, is a very busy environment. Yeah. Because basically you know, you look at it and you're like, okay, this type of surface, this color I can put portals on, this one I can't, I know that for a fact that never changes from room to room test to test but if you were in, you know, oh, the wilderness or something, they would either have to make them very obvious and sort of immersion breaking or you would always be like I wonder if I can use this or that to do a portal or to solve a puzzle so I think it's it, it's positives far outweigh its negatives as a artistic design choice yeah I'm just looking at my game time and it looks like I spent just over two hours so I spent less time than I thought I did going through with developer commentary yeah um so the portal aspect of the game well, is... Well, if you live under a rock, uh, we should probably explain what portal is. <laughs> yeah, just a complete uh, exercise in yeah, futility. <laughs> yeah. So in portal, you play a human by the name of Chell, although I don't think you ever find that out in game, do you? Uh, not in the first one. Uh, this, uh, the second one in the... Also the... Uh, the tying comic for the second one. Which did you ever read that? Uh, no, I'm aware of it, but I've never read it. Uh, it's just a uh, short little thing. It's maybe it's something you should look at in between uh, games. I don't know, but uh, they do yeah, say her first name, uh, but they never mention her second, her last name. Gotcha. But anyways, you're playing as Chell, and you are in a testing facility of some sort where they have this portal gun which literally creates interdimensional portals where that you can uh walk from one place to another through walls covering infinite time and space as they show in in portal 2 um and your goal at first is to go through the testing chambers and complete the tests and then later on you realize that the AI that's running the tests is psychotic and trying to kill you for her own amusement, and so then you try to escape and ultimately defeat her. That's it's pretty. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's, that's it. That's well, it right well, there. The, yeah, there's not a lot of story in Portal, but uh, Portal did a lot with non-vocal or non-explicit story, especially whenever you started going behind the scenes and you started seeing the Ratman dance. You know, yeah, just the little nest of 
maybe someone uh, ahead of you in the testing, or maybe someone that's uh, running wild in the uh, facility. And they do expand on that in the uh, tie-in comic uh, a little bit, and also it shows up a lot more in Portal 2. But it's just little touches like that that made it where a game that you your character never uh, never says a word and everything that the that the one voice you hear in the game says is you're never responding to at all yeah it's just such a great uh, story that it, it reminds me of sort of the silent movies you know where every, where your actions and the set itself is the story yeah and the only thing I can really think of that even uh, that is a comparable thing to it is uh, how Bethesda sets up uh, miniature stories in like the Fallout universe where uh, the, well the one that I always see floating around online is the, uh, the have you ever seen the one with the motorcycle mm, in Fallout no. 3 there's a so. there's a random ramp and uh, uh, on this uh, road in Fallout 3 and down the road there's a uh, uh, motorcycle on its side and hanging from the ceiling is a skeleton. <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, some, uh, someone uh, either before or, you know, just uh, after the apocalypse uh, was trying to take some sweet ramp jumps and, you know, kill themselves. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. I've never found that one before. But I've seen plenty of those in other Bethesda games. Yeah, or New Vegas where it's... Well, granted, this is more explicit, but uh, the first major, uh, or the, or the, I guess the second town that you're in, uh, the one with the hotel and uh, the uh, roller coaster, uh, the hostage situation that you stumble across there, that you know, didn't turn out so well because you know the bombs fell. Yeah, but yeah, you know, just little stories like that. It, this is a, a sort of like that where everything is in the set dressing and you could go through and really miss a lot if you just rush it and there's not a lot of little nooks and crannies to find but the ones that you can find and at least in the first portal tells quite a bit of story and are very well detailed yeah and of course yeah you know, that, that's where the meme came from the cake is a lie the- the cake is a lie. Yeah. Portal 2 didn't really get a lot of beams from it, did it? I don't know. I don't think so. Although Portal 2 got the uh, the wonderful Miracle of Sound song. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, Wheatley song. Yeah. I don't... I'm, mm, I'm struggling to say much more about Portal. Like, it's a great game. I really enjoy Portal. It's one of the few puzzle... Yeah, platform. It's not really a platformer. There is platforming in it, but there, there is Portal One has a lot more platforming in it than Portal Two does, or I should say, yeah, direct platforming. I, I talked about how uh, Portal Two has a lot of on rails platforming, where if you perform uh, the maneuver correctly, or it's a lot of times your innate momentum takes you what would have been a normal platforming section. Or, you know, you're, well, in Portal 2, they have a jump plate that, you know, kicks you around and, you know, 
There you go. Yeah. And that's your platforming sections. Yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, it's great. I love it. But there's so little there to talk about for Portal 1 in terms of Yeah, this of is why we're including and, it with Portal 2. Right. And, I mean, the mechanics in it are, are solid, amazing. Yeah. I mean, if they had fucked those up, no one would care about Portal. You know, it would be like Quantum Conundrum. <laughs> yeah, there is uh, the one segment where you're climbing with uh, the fling maneuver. I, I really think that's a neat segment uh, showing just how well the momentum is uh, uh, conserved. And uh, yeah, it makes you feel, well, well, not like you're flying. You are flying, but you know, it has that sense of speed where you're that wouldn't uh, translate it to just like a Mario like jump. Right. You know what I'm talking about? That one uh, section towards the end of the game, I think it is. Uh, where it's a series of platforms that you're climbing. Yes. And you have to, uh, it's one of the few sections, uh, Portal 1 has a lot more sections in it where you're having to quickly put uh, uh, portals down while you're in the air. Uh, Portal 2 does have a couple where you have to do them while in the air, but most of the time you could set them up ahead of time. But that that one is uh, one of the big ones. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, something that I, I that I think applies to both games and the multiplayer section of Portal Two, the puzzle design is really simple but elegant. Yeah, they like, well, well, they talk about this in the dev commentary, the aha moment, uh-huh. where uh, uh, there's this fine balance between making a puzzle that's so tough that you feel absolutely stupid when you get the solution. You know, like, oh, I should have seen that earlier. And then there's the inverse of that where, you know, you're never really challenged. And Portal hits uh, that medium really well. There there was one part that I remember having a very frustrating part was just after the uh, the first rocket turret, I never, I, I took, well, I shouldn't say never, I uh, it took me a while to see the air duct because it didn't really pop out from the wall. You want right. I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. Uh, after the rocket turret, you uh, have to go through and uh, destroy a, a glass pipe. And that teaches you. Well, well, in Portal 2, that's a teaching moment. It doesn't really apply here. Uh, it, well, it, it's teaching you how to redirect the rockets uh, from the rocket turret, so it is a teaching moment. And th- that's one thing that Portal in Portal 2 does it really well is their training of the player to understand how the puzzles work. Because if you try to explain these without the gameplay, you know, it's very, very tough to understand. You know, well, well, your momentum is conserved between portals. Well, what does that mean? But... Uh, for a portal, you know, you jump into a portal and you shoot out of the other one, and you can see it very easily how it ha- how it handles. But uh, right after that rocket turret, there's this air duct that I just missed for oh, I would say probably about five minutes <laughs> on my first playthrough, just because it didn't really uh, pop uh, visually while everything else did. You know? Yeah. Well, and the way too, like you said, they they teach you most, maybe all. Of every time there's going to be a new mechanic that you learn as you come into the room, you get a good view of it being applied in some way the first time you have to use it. Um, 
like in Portal 1, when you see the portal gun for the first time, you walk in and it's below you, and you can see it, and it's on that rotating um, yeah, this pedestal. Is, yeah, this is something else that they talked about uh, in the depth commentary quite in length about just uh, how, uh, well, this was for the uh, dual portal. No, no. It, well, they talked about it on both the, or the first and the second portals of vice where uh, that teaching moment of uh, forcing the player to stop and look and having an audio cue of what exactly is happening. It's just a small thing, but it makes such a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, they do a really good job with it. So, I, you know, the puzzles feel designed really well, and you never feel, like you said, you don't feel stupid. Unless I'm just, uh, missing that air duct. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, nothing's perfect. Occasionally, you might have a little mishap, but in general, you don't feel stupid. I I always feel like, or I always feel like, uh, or or felt like, you know, I'm just not quite seeing it in the right way. Not that this puzzle is too difficult, or not that I, you know, don't have the skills to solve it. I just need to stop and take a minute and see if I'm missing something. And usually doing that, you can go, oh, I missed this thing over here. I actually need to time this jump better, or I missed that box that I need to drop down, or whatever. So, I never felt like I couldn't complete any puzzle. Just occasionally I would have to stop and take a moment and really take in everything and make sure I wasn't missing anything. And, well, one last thing that we should probably talk about is the humor. Yeah, I love Portal's humor. <laughs> that kind of dark, sarcastic humor. Yeah. And uh, just little things that, if you're not really paying attention, it's like, wait, what did she just say? That whole, uh, you know, bring your daughter to work day is the perfect time to have her tested. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's very, well, I can't really call it subtle because it's one of those things that, yes, it's very obvious, but... It doesn't bash you over the head of laugh now, laugh now. And maybe that's what I miss on a lot of funny and uh, sarcasm quotes games these days is that they try too hard. Yeah, I don't feel like Portal's trying. Well, trying too hard. I mean, it's trying, but <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I don't. I I agree with you. Nothing really feels forced. Unless the point of the joke is that it feels forced. Yeah, and, and that's where the writing comes in and does a really, really good job as well as the voice acting. Which, uh, yeah, some people may uh, be surprised that, yes, Glass is voice acted. <laughs> yeah. And actually, that is the, uh, the announcer in Team Fortress 2. Didn't know that. Also, GLaDOS does the voice of the computer in, well, the they use the GLaDOS voice in Pacific Rim, the, the movie. Well, I guess the movies, they're making a sequel now. And they use the GLaDOS voice for the computers inside the Jaegers. Please tell me she's sarcastic. Uh, I don't think so. It's been a while since I've seen Pacific Rim, so she might, she might do, but I don't think so. That's disappointing of, you know, uh... She's just not snarking the entire time. Yeah, she does the the entire voiceover for the Pacific Rim 2 trailer that came out at Comic-Con. She's not really... That voice isn't really snarky there, either. 
Oh, it's well. a little bit. It's a little bit more playful. It starts out really serious, and then it gets a little bit playful, but she's it's not snarky. Uh, Anyways, any, anything else we should really talk about? Um, maybe the boss fight. Uh, there's not a, there's not a lot there, but it's one of those that it uh, uses what it taught you very well. Yeah, it felt weirdly out of place the first time I did it. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's maybe telegraph- it's the time limit. Maybe, maybe it's the time limit. I don't know. It just felt odd. Like this whole game is about solving puzzles, and yeah, there's the turrets and stuff, but. Really, they're just another obstacle that you have to figure out how to overcome in solving a puzzle. But I guess you could say the same thing about GLaDOS fighting her at the end. I don't know. It just felt well, weird. GLaDOS, uh, the, uh, the real difference I see with GLaDOS is that she's a Tom puzzle. And that's something that you don't really have otherwise. I mean, yeah. there's timing in the puzzles, but there's not a set time limit. And maybe that's what's throwing you off, and that does make it feel a bit weird. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you have that... If you didn't have that direct confrontation with Gladys, I think it would have been a lacking uh, ending for Portal. Yeah. Probably. You're you're probably right. It just... And and that might be it. And there's just no way to really do it very well uh, without, you know, uh, some sort of arbitrary limit. Yeah. And, you know, it's... Okay, so how else would you do it? Because the only other way would be, you know, some sort of direct attack from Gladys, which, okay, she is doing a direct attack, but it's a very phased thing, you know. Uh, you hit her, she uh, gets stunned for a bit until you do the thing. Uh, you know, th- uh, throw the ball into the incinerator. And, uh, it, you know, it's sort of payback for the weighted companion cube. <laughs> yeah. Which that's the other big beam from Portal is the Way Companion Cube, of course. Which we completely skipped over, huh? We did. We did. I thought about the Companion Cube for a second, and then I just let it go. Uh, well, you, uh, you did murder the, your Companion Cube faster than anyone else on record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the Companion Cube. Aren't, that, is that, it confirmed in lore that the Companion Cubes are like people? Uh, no. Well, 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 in Portal 2, she does say they're sentient, but GLaDOS is a big liar. Yeah, and sentient, I mean, since GLaDOS is an AI, they could be some form of AI. Yeah, let's just call them, uh, a, you know, a, a cube that has a heart painted on them that GLaDOS talks about a lot. And, uh, well, the entire reason why the way companion cube exists is that People were leaving their uh, cubes behind in that one puzzle. So uh, to get playtesters to, you know, keep their cube around to be able to solve the puzzle a lot quicker than having to backtrack once they discovered, oh, I need my cube, is to Gladys to start talking about it a lot. And that was actually in the dev commentary. Interesting. That's a good psychological trick. Yeah. uh, There... uh, I'm sure that you picked up on a lot of psychological tricks in this. <laughs> oh yeah, in my uh, I, I I make reference to them in my psych eval of Glados. Uh, did it change any as you got towards the end of Portal Two? Mm, not really. Um, do you want to just jump into Portal Two? Yeah, I think so. So yeah, in Portal Two, when she 
for when she finds out that she's the the consciousness of that girl Caroline Caroline and she starts to be nice to you yeah I I was thinking like okay this is interesting this is character development how am I gonna write this up and reflect it but then at the end of the game she's like yeah I'm just gonna delete everything about about Caroline and go back to being good old GLaDOS well, uh, yeah, she, like, okay. well, well, there's one line in it that uh, kind of uh, stuck with me is that she talked about how the scientists tried to control her by essentially putting more and more and more voices in her head. And for the first time when she's the potato is when she had just her voice. And it makes you wonder just how much of that is Gladys fighting back from just, you know, forced schizophrenia. Uh, that would not be... Well, sorry, probably wrong term, but you know. Yeah. Uh, I guess it depends on... I mean, it's one of those things, uh, like... It really depends I... on just, you know, what the different voices are saying, because, you know, you had Wheatley, you know, constantly giving bad ideas. You had the cake sphere that's just, you know, making her more and more obsessed with cake, which is probably the reason why we only have, what, one reference to cake in... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, in Portal Two, yeah, but all of that stuff. The thing is, is that I'm lacking a lot of context. I, well, I, I suppose we can do that at the end. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll uh, do it at the end. But I was lacking a lot of context, and there's plenty of stuff in the two games. But it's like, well, without a little bit more information, I can't really decide if this fits into column A or column B. So it took me a little bit of time to to settle on what I did, but. I'm quite pleased with it. Well, since we're talking about uh, Glass's character a little bit more, uh, what do you think of their idea of essentially adding more voices to an already unstable AI? That seems rather well, crazy, doesn't it? That seems like a really dumb idea. Also uh, known as Aperture Science. Yep. Aperture Science. We put the science and bad science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought that, that was a really stupid idea. I mean, it, interestingly, you tackled the problem, like, slow her down. But, you know, if you had well, somebody... Well, it's not speeding... just... Well, it's not just Wheatley, which we haven't even really mentioned Wheatley yet. <laughs> because we're kind of still on Gladys. Uh, it's just the fact that... Okay, well, let's let, let's name off the spheres. We have, uh, from uh, Portal 1, the Anger Sphere, yeah, that just growls. The Cake Sphere... Uh, the morality sphere, and um, what is the uh, the curiosity sphere? Then uh, in Portal Two, you have the space sphere. Uh, Grand, uh, these aren't connected to her, but they could have been at some point, and that's the thing. You have the space sphere, the fact sphere that gives uh, factoids, you know, just incorrect facts. Rick, the adventure sphere, also known as the best sphere. <laughs> And, of course, Wheatley. Yeah. So, so that's a lot already. And that's just a few. And there was an entire pile of them. It makes you wonder just how many voices she went through. Yeah. And actually and it makes be... me a little, uh, a little uh, you know, sad for her. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely felt a lot of pity for her. Um during Portal 2 that definitely was not there during Portal 1 or even during the multiplayer portion of Portal 2. And it also makes me wonder 
since we know Gladys lies, did she delete Carolyn? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I mean, is uh, she specifically mentions uh, her in the end song? Well, I I considered dissociative identity disorder, which is more commonly known as uh, multiple personality disorder. Um, as one of the primary diagnostic criteria to give her and in DID you can't just like remove a personality and so like I tried to yeah but she's also a computer (laughs) she is but I tried to keep it at least grounded in some sort of rules and so I treated her kind of like a brain oh this is going to be so interesting when we get to this so but ultimately like you can't just remove a personality. They can get quote unquote better over time and eventually go away, but you can't just say, I'm not going to have this one anymore. So at best, she probably suppressed it, pushed it down, but it'll come back at some yeah, point. Yeah, which in time uh, that's what triggered. it was before. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, sh- where should we go from here? Should we talk about uh, the other characters of Portal 2 or get into the story? Because we haven't even touched on the story just yet. Um, I want to... Neither. <laughs> One of my favorite things about Portal 2, I guess this is story, is how there's so much more that you can discover if you just don't listen to whatever whatever's telling you to do. Yeah, like, just uh, hang around. From from the moment that you meet Wheatley, if you don't open the door to let him in, he'll stand there for another couple of minutes and talk to you, and you get a whole bunch of dialogue you would have completely missed. After yeah, he breaks uh, yeah, down he the wall, yeah, he starts talking in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, all right, and then after he breaks down the wall, which I love, I'm the, just gonna, the, what is the it? He manual says, I'm override. Gonna manual override this wall. I'm going to perform <laughs> my manual override on this wall. <laughs> and he I'm sh- it down. I'm I'm sad that didn't become a meme, <laughs> but at the same yeah. time, I kind of did. I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> yeah, but but if you don't, uh, you know, once you get out, if you don't immediately start going into the chamber looking for the portal gun, he'll stand there and he'll just talk to you for a while. And then once you get in the chamber, if you walk around the edge, instead of going towards the the podium where the portal, portal gun's supposed to be, he'll talk to you for a few minutes and encourage you. And what is it? Is it chapter eight? Uh, you actually get a ch- an achievement if you don't do his first puzzle. If you don't solve yeah. it. So I love how that so much of this game is revolves around sort of there's extra stuff if you disobey. Yeah, and there's, I don't, yeah there's achievements for, well, uh, falling for death traps. There's fall, uh, there's achievements for you know, not doing what you're supposed to. And uh, and also achievements for listening. <laughs> when yeah, you the really one, shouldn't. Yeah, the one where GLaDOS kills you if you follow the path. Oh, look, it's the deer. Oh, but yeah, I just, I love that. That's probably my favorite part about Portal 2 is just that all of those little extras and well, also additional the dialogues eggs. that are, that are genuinely are generally pretty funny. Well, l- let's see. Well, the, uh, the two big Easter eggs is one, uh, there's, uh, the portrait of Carolyn and Cave Johnson. Yeah. And also, uh, if you're not a fan of the Half-Life series, this probably doesn't mean anything to you, but there's the dry duck of the Borealis in Portal 2. 
which uh, the Borealis is a uh, well was an aperture ship that uh, had a prototype of the portal gun on it, or a portal device that disappeared, dry dock and all, out of aperture science, and is supposed to be a big plot point for Half Life Episode Three or Half Life Three or whatever, and that's what. Uh, Gordon Freeman and Alex uh, is going after, uh, or at least in theory, maybe someday, I guess. But the yeah. fact that they included that in Portal 2 <laughs> is a nice little touch. Then there's little things like uh, Shell's uh, name is on one of the uh, science projects for Bring Your Daughter to Work Day. Yeah, I've seen that one. I saw the paintings. Uh, or the painting. Yeah. It's just all the little things, all the little Easter eggs, all the little touches. Yeah, it makes me sad that Valve doesn't make games anymore. Yeah, or, they do. They do a good that, job of making them. Or that it at least isn't a Dota 2. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Do you want to talk about Wheatley, or do you want to... Uh, well, since we brought up characters, let's talk about the other two major ones, and then we'll get into story. Okay. So, uh, well, since we brought up Wheatley, uh, Wheatley is a personality sphere, which you encountered the idea of the personality spheres in the first game. They're the uh, essentially the grapes hanging off of uh, Gladys. <laughs> And uh, Wheatley is a rather advanced one. Uh, they went through and made a lot of changes to the model to make them more expressive. Because in the first game, you, you know, they were pretty much just a static model with a little bit of animation, but not much. But Wheatley and uh, the other spheres uh, in extension have a lot more range of emotion. Just, you know, added plates, uh, the ability to move a lot more. And uh, it adds a lot of character to him. Yeah. But Wheatley is a moron. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's he's the dumbest moron that, uh, the, that the brightest minds of Aperture could put together. And he is a dampening sphere to try to give Gladys a string of bad ideas to slow her down. Yeah. But you, you don't find that out right away. But no. to be fair, Wheatley does occasionally have a good idea. <laughs> Every once in a while, yeah. Like manually overriding that wall. That was a pretty good idea. <laughs> Granted, it almost killed us in the process, but yeah, details. Yeah. Uh, um, well, in the, uh, well uh, is there anything you really want to mention about Wheatley uh, before we uh, move on or uh, uh, that we won't mention otherwise? Um... Probably not. I mean, I love Wheatley. I think he is adorbs and also <laughs> pretty funny. Um, and the guy who did his, his voice, uh, I'm looking at here on the week on the wiki, Stephen Merchant, did a good job. I want to find other stuff that he's in now. The Office. Well, I don't. I'm sure this is going to be blasphemous, but I don't like The Office. So, other stuff that he's in and watch it. You know, I've never really sat down and watched The Office uh, that much. Yeah, I don't really like it. But, but they kind of teased him by... Uh, oh, trying to think of who they had originally as the voice actor for the E3 uh, teaser. But they just said, 
Uh, uh, we got some guy from the uh, that from around the office. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. And then, of course, Cave Johnson, the CEO of Aperture Science, that you never actually meet. Uh, well, to be fair, you never technically meet uh, Carolyn or Gladys either. You just the, the AI construct. Right. But you meet him through other recordings uh, in old Aperture, which will get to exactly how you get there eventually. Oh, uh, probably my favorite character out of the bunch. It's just so I, over the top. Yeah, I really like Cave Johnson. It's pretty close from me between him and Wheatley. I don't know. I just really Wheatley's so adorable. I I just I can't get past that. But <laughs> Cave Johnson is an interesting fellow. Well, well, the thing is that you also don't have a lot of Cave Johnson. So that's uh, true. I think he's a, a character that if you had too much of him, you would he would definitely wear out as a welcome. But yeah. because you don't ex- experience him for too long in the game, uh, it's uh, he still has that sweet spot. And plus, of course, the uh, big joke of the game, you know, it comes from him, the combustible lemons. You know, yeah. That, that big last rant. But Cave Johnson, it puts the bad in bad signs for Aperture. He is absolutely insane. Spends money on literally anything that catches uh, fancy. He's modeled after Howard Hughes, essentially. <laughs> yeah. How- Howard Hughes plus Tony Stark. Except without uh, all of the good ideas of Tony Stark. Although I guess Tony Stark <laughs> has some bad ideas, too. But, yeah. Which I, I realize that, you know, kind of repeating ourselves on that one with Tony Snark, uh, Stark. Uh, Tony Snark. Well, that's... Actually, not uh, too inaccurate, huh? (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty accurate. (laughs) Uh, But, well, uh, Cave Johnson is voiced by J.K. Simmons, who also did J. Jameson in the, uh, well, uh, the older Spider-Man trilogy now. (laughs) How many reboots are we going to get on Spider-Man? Probably a lot more. But he's been... J.K. Simmons has been in a lot of good stuff beyond yeah. just yeah, the he, older he, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah it's just, the, yeah, that, that's the first time that I really paid attention to him. Uh, not the, By far not his first role, but, you know, it's the one that is most memorable to me, I guess I should say. And he always plays these big, bombastic, over-the-top characters and does it so well in this. He does. He really does. Um, and also, uh, for the fact that you only encounter, J- uh, well, Cave Johnson for, what, about an hour, hour and a half-ish? Depending on your speed of uh, going through the, ga- uh, the game. Yeah. He has a very devastating character arc. He does. It's really sad, too. Uh, essentially, well... Uh, should we save that for uh, the story? Yeah, I think I should, we should probably. Uh, uh, I mean, we've been pretty or- out of order of, with things. Yeah. While we're talking about him, we might as well just tell yeah, his, well, his story arc. Yeah, he uh, well uh, founded uh, Aperture Science, and uh, he, uh, there's a series of uh, three eras that you encounter him in. In the 50s, the 70s, and the 80s. 
and each one is sort of themed where the 50s is very Walt Disney uh, uh, well that's the what the inspiration for his portrait is uh, all the uh, ruins are ruins from a very opulent uh, office a lot of marble a lot of very high class uh, high priced uh, stuff around and he's talking to astronauts, war heroes, Olympians uh, for test subjects. Then you go through and you get to the 70s and everything looks a lot cheaper. And he's talking to hobos. And it's very clear that things haven't gone well for Aperture Science. But he's not willing to get off track. He still wants to do things his way and damn the consequences. Well, turns out those damn consequences because then you get to the 80s and he's poisoned himself by grinding moon rocks. <laughs> Which I, I realize is just absurd, but it's also a hint for later in the game to be a portal surface and he's trying to get his employees to find, to test ways to leach the poison out of his uh, system so he doesn't die. And this is also uh, the genesis of GLaDOS because he talks about uh, building an AI and transferring uh, a person's mind into a computer. And also putting his secretary in, or his assistant, I guess I should say, if it's not ready in time. Yeah. And so, and oh, as you go through uh, these eras, the portraits change from this hopeful Walt Disney S character to this. Oh, well, I, you can't really say old because he's not that old, but a lot older, a lot more rundown, a lot aged, decrepit uh, man that just, had his dream shattered. Yeah, and he ages very rapidly as well. Like, I mean, it's from yeah, the he 50s looks, to the 80s, 30 yeah. years, but he looks like... He looks like know. he had 70. Yeah. I I love that they did their homework, though. Um, silicosis is probably what he had or suffered from, which is a real disease that uh, people get from breathing in ground-up silica dust. Which is present in pretty pretty highly present in the rocks that have been brought back from the moon. There's other ways you can get it as well, but samples that have brought back they're high in silica, so that's pretty neat. Like that lines up with a real world thing. Yeah, and uh, his voiceovers for the uh, well the '80s section, which is actually very short, uh, has a persistent cough in it, and you, you can hear his voice run down. Uh, uh, he's uh, straining to talk. And he's talking about painkillers. Uh, well, and combustible lemons. Yeah. <laughs> Such a uh, powerful arc for a character that you never have direct interaction with. Yeah. And something I really didn't expect when I was going into Portal 2 for the first time. Yeah, I had kind of gotten a couple of hints about Cave Johnson because there's some a couple of... Uh, audio logs that are in the multiplayer version that I had heard before. So. Or heard when we played. 
Yeah. So I wasn't surprised when I saw or when I heard from him. Um, like I knew he existed, but I was really impressed with both the detail and just the weight of that character. Okay. So. Uh, and that's the, really the three major characters. There's not a lot of characters in this game. So yeah. We, I mean, GLaDOS, but, sto- uh, but we talked or... about her. Um, yeah. We've hidden, hidden. We've hit several of the the high points of the story, I think. Yeah, but we've yeah, hit the, the the remainder we can go through that. Um, excuse me. So yeah, the big this... thing is that they never really say just how much time has passed between Portal One and Portal Two. Yeah, it's at least long enough that the science facility can get run down and have grass and trees growing inside of it, which would be a while. But you know, we don't know exactly how long. Unless it's revealed, like, if you can discover that information. Uh, there's a lot of debate on that. Okay. And the thing is, also, the amount of t- Well, we know at least 30 days, because, you know, uh, you have that one moment where you're woken up. Uh, and, uh, you know, to show you the uh, relaxation hotel room vault... Yeah. But then you start, you know, getting hints that, you know, how, just how long it's been. Well, first of all, the voiceover, uh, errors out and just, uh, spits out nines. Your mattress has a, a significant indent of your body. But granted, that may just be because you're fat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, there's a lot of, uh, just details that you have to try to figure out on your own. And that, that's kind of a callback of the uh, story that's just told through piecing things together in Portal 1. But anyway, Wheatley uh, breaks you out and uh, performs a manual override on this wall. <laughs> yeah. Best part of the whole story. <laughs> I'm glad you love that. That I love that so much. I actually watched a YouTube video uh, of the beginning of that mission just over and over again for a little <laughs> bit. Like, yeah, you manually override that wall. It's great. Such a great line. There's a uh, couple of other moments in the game that I really like. Yeah, that was awesome. But Well, uh, I do have to ask. Opening to chapter nine. Uh-huh. Uh, my favorite fourth wall break in a game. Why? Okay. Well, first of all, well, uh, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but uh, you have the death trap that you trigger. Uh, you know, c- complete, uh, completely by surprise if you don't know it, because you know, they set that up so well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the whole... Well, I guess uh, this is the part where he kills you. Hello, this is the part where I kill you. Chapter 9, the part where he kills you. Achievement pops up. Uh, the, uh, this is the part where he kills you. This is that part. Yeah. And I just thought it was hilarious. Is that why you like it so much? Yeah, yeah, ju- yeah just that one uh, uh, little bit. Yes, yes, it's silly. But it's also not one of those things where uh, it's... Haha, you're in a, a video game, and we're going to reference that. It, oh, outside the chapter uh, title, of course, but it's also one of those things where you could only experience it once. Right. Yeah. I really liked it. I don't think I liked it as much as you did. 
Um, personally, I like the bit after where if you hang around, I, I the, like the bit after a little better. If you uh, hang around, there's a boy band down there. <laughs> yeah, and then you can jump and down and get the pit boss achievement. Years. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my other moments. Just hanging around, listening to the to him try and convince you to jump down, and then Glados <laughs> is like. Basically, don't be a moron. Don't listen to him. What are you doing? Keep you going. really are brain damaged. No, yeah. but yeah, no, I could see why you'd really like that a lot. That makes that makes perfect sense why you like that sort of fourth wall break and how uh, how sort of on the nose slash sub- subversive it is. Like that's good. That's good. But yeah, it didn't quite have the same impact on me as it did you. Or maybe it's just, yeah, I played this on release day. So, you know, a lot of the things were uh, not spoiled for me. Yeah. But anyway, we're way off uh, a track as per usual. Indeed. Uh, uh, we uh, eventually go through, uh, get a portal gun or get the first portal gun. Then uh, accidentally wake Gladys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and probably uh, Wheatley's probably the world's worst or best hacker and I can't decide which yes <laughs> A A A A A <laughs> A A A A A C wait a minute did I do B are you writing this down <laughs> oh but yeah, oh, the the Gladys wake up scene was done uh, really well as uh, well. You know, just it shows the power of Gladys, just how large that frame is. Yeah, but it's also one of those uh, uh, scenes that was played over and over and over in E three trailers, and, and maybe that's something that we should have a general discussion for some time. Uh, it's not as big for gaming. Granted, is there. It's just how much trailers can spoil key moments or powerful moments in a game. Yeah. Because yeah, we should I, we should have that conversation at some point. Because I'm uh, remembering from the reveal trailer that it showed Gladys's waking animation, uh, and that was one of the big things uh, revealed in it. Yeah, it, it it spoiled the fact that Gladys does wake up. Yeah. Because it would have, do you think it would have been a, a, as a powerful game if they didn't have Gladys wake up? If you just go past her body and, you know, that's the only real reference to her and you're trying to escape the ruins of Aperture? Um, with your idiot ball? I think it would have been, a, I think it still would have been a very powerful game. It would have been a very different but it, game. But it would have been a very different game. Or yeah. if uh, if they did have class, if she wasn't the omnipotent god of Aperture, well, at least the section that she was. Uh, and uh, it was just like her and a personality core. Well, it, well, in the dev commentary, they did talk about for a while of uh, having a bunch of different uh, personality cores that you encountered uh, on your adventures through Aperture. Which makes me wonder if they really did at one point not have Gladys as a bigger player. Yeah, that would have, I think, well, I don't know. 
Gladys game, is a too big a character to uh, leave out, though, I think. She is. But at the same time, I think it would have still been an interesting, powerful game if you dealt with a bunch of the different uh, personalities, you know, as opposed to just getting GLaDOS again. I mean, she's definitely a huge, larger-than-life character that makes a big impact and, like you said, very powerful. But I don't know. I think the game could have been at least as good done properly and I, I think i have confidence in them to have been able to have done it properly yeah one that they talked um, about was uh, a personality sphere that was highly paranoid uh, and was uh, and you had to basically break through all its barricades had it built up over the years that would have been interesting i think <laughs> Uh, but let's see. Uh, well, you wake up Gladys. She forces you to start testing in again. And in the process, appears to kill Wheatley. They never really explain what happened to Wheatley. But that's kind of the funny part of it is that he just shows back up. And he's uh, and while you're bouncing on this pad that can't quite uh, handle your generousness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you hear little segments of the story. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what do you think of just how angry Gladys was? I can understand why she was pissed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes sense that she's pissed at you. I'm like, okay, Gladys is pretty crazy most of the time, but this makes total sense. I would be mad at someone, very mad at someone if they had done Especially this with what she said uh, before that. Yeah. That she had a black box feature and she was reliving you killing her over and over and over. Yeah, and depending on how long, you know, it is between Portal 1 and 2, that could have been <laughs> potentially decades, maybe more, given the amount of growth and stuff that's in the facility. So that would be horribly traumatic. Yeah, and you know, if you did that to someone, they may uh, dedicate their pure existence to uh, making your life miserable <laughs> just the way she delivers lines particularly in portal 2 where she's a lot smoother and less robotic because she doesn't have all the cores on her anymore yeah it, it, i think it was a brilliant move that they removed those so that she's a lot more well, for lack of a better term organic in her delivery it gave her more room to work with for her voice. Yeah, that makes sense. I did... I don't know. I kind of like Robot GLaDOS, though. Or Robotic Tinny GLaDOS. It really depends on you know, the line, I think. Because some lines definitely work better with the more tinny uh, monotone GLaDOS. But, yeah. For Portal 2, that wouldn't have worked for the long term, I don't think. Yeah. And plus, you know, you already set the precedent of, you know, she has this lot smoother, more almost seductive tone to her once, you know, she lost that morality core. But anyway, then, well, after uh, escaping with Wheatley again, that there, there's two escape sequences in this, and uh, then this sequence is kind of sort of behind the scenes at the start. You see a lot of the facility, actually. Yeah, you get dropped into the bowels of it and go for a, a a good little jaunt through it, and it's huge. 
I mean, it doesn't specifically, or does it specifically tell you well, how they, far you've gone down? Didn't they say miles at one point? They do say miles, but I don't think exact. I don't think they say exactly how many miles. Let's go but with at least more than one. Yeah, I mean, but even if it's only two miles underground, that's a fucking long way down. How far can you go down before you hit the core of the Earth? Oh no! Let's ask the Russians. <laughs> no, 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 no! I'm not joking on that. Uh, the Russians actually uh, hold the record for the dig, uh, for the deepest hole dug, and you know why they did it? Just to see what would happen. Well, alrighty then. Uh, the core of the Earth is. Wait. Yeah, well, the problem right. is once you get down a little ways, everything starts to get a little viscous. Yeah, the core of the Earth is 2,635 miles. Wait, what? Uh, well, I think you're looking for the crust because, you know, once you get through and get into the mantle, you know, things are a little bit too liquid to hold a test chamber. Yeah, that's true. How thick is the Earth's crust? Uh, the average crust uh, thickness is 50 kilometers, but depending on whether you're on the, an ocean or a mountaintop, it well, can take the, it well, as this many is as 80 Michigan. kilometers down to get through. How thick is the Earth's crust in Michigan? <laughs> and we should just send Kyle over to check it out. <laughs> hey, Kyle, we got some ruins for you to check out. Pack a lunch. Uh, there might be a way to find out with some more, uh, some more Google Foo applied, but I don't want to spend too much time looking for it. <laughs> yeah, but let's see. Well, eventually the big twist for uh, Portal Two uh, comes up after you uh, swap, uh, you uh, remove a glass's ability to make turrets and disable the. Neurotoxin generator, you know, because why would you hook a neurotoxin up, a generator up to an AI? <laughs> For science. Remember, in case of implosion, look directly at the implosion. And no, that is a sign at the neurotoxin generator. <laughs> uh, anyway, the big twist for Portal 2 is that Gladys is not the major bad guy. You put Wheatley in charge, and then you find out that was a bad idea. Yeah. Now, this probably would have been a little bit more shocking if you were playing it completely fresh, since, you know, I had, have even though I hadn't played it, I have heard many things about Portal 2 over the last five, six years. When did it come out? 2011? Uh, 2010-ish. Let's go with that, yeah. Yeah, so over the last five, six-ish years, I, I kind of knew that Wheatley wound up being the bad guy, so that that was spoiled for me. But, I mean, you said you played it when it released, so was that a big surprise to you? Uh, this was the one thing that... It wasn't uh, spoiled outright, but it was hinted at strongly by a, a friend that was being kind of a dick. Okay. So I was uh, expecting that uh, they said, oh, I can't uh, wait to hear what you think about the big twist. Oh, I well, hate when people do that. That's worse than tell just me there's a fucking twist. It. Yeah. So, you know, I was expecting, 
Okay, there's an escape elevator. I'm putting Wheatley in charge. Fuck. But, uh, yeah, I think I would have really, really enjoyed that if I didn't know that there was a twist coming and, you know, expected, you know, something to happen. Uh, I, I mean, I understand, you know, uh, them ex- uh, being excited. They were probably about two hours ahead of me uh, on the game. So, uh, and I got rather pissed with them on uh, saying that there was a twist and they didn't say anything until I was done with the game afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I hate when people are like, so can't wait till you see the twist. And it's like, oh, great. Now I'm going to spend the entire movie going, is that the twist? Is that the twist? That's the twist. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with games. But, anyways, carry on. Uh, but, Wheatley uh, gets called a moron and punches you into the bowels of Aperture. And this is where you beat Cave Johnson's, well, Cave Johnson in recordings. Going through three different eras of uh, old Aperture signs and, uh, and having the new gameplay mechanic of Portal 2, the gels. Which... We never really talked about uh, Nebular Drop, the student game that spawned Portal. Have you ever played it? No, I've never played it. I've only played it a little bit, you know, enough to be able to really get a feel for it. And it it is a you know, obviously a student game, so you know it's uh, more of a proof of concept than anything else. But I also played, and to con- conclusion, the student game that the gels are com- that came from. Tag the power of paint, which is, I wouldn't say verbatim because there is a lot of uh, changes to the gel system uh, for Portal 2. But you have three different gels. You have one that is just a white gel that yeah, makes a surface that couldn't be made into a, put a portal onto. Portable, which you encounter last. You get a bouncy gel which is blue that you know you hit it and you bounce up and it's uh, essentially a trampoline mm-hmm. and then you have one that makes you run fast that's orange and a combination of these and the portals uh, unlocks a lot of possibilities for this game I mean you saw a lot more of it in uh, the multiplayer and kind of confused you at first huh yeah, it did. I was like, what are these shells and where have they come from? And you're like, well, that's just part of the game. You'll figure get to it in single player. But um, there's also, also the white gel. The... Yeah, well, the conversion gel. That's what I mentioned. Yeah. And, and I have to admit, any time that I encounter the white gel, I spend at least a couple of minutes just painting the uh, entire room. Yeah. Portals everywhere. <laughs> Whitewash the uh, the puzzle. Is that racist? Whitewash? Yeah. Is that racist? You're whitewashing it? I don't think so, but uh, it's hard <laughs> to tell in this uh, political climate, so just go yes and. Yes and. Just going to have to wait to see um, if the president says it, then it's racist. Definitely. <laughs> Anyway, on your way back up, you reconnect all the old pipes uh, to bring the gel up into the new aperture. And you encounter, well, uh, while in the bowels of aperture, you also encounter what's left of Gladys. And Wheatley thought it would be a great idea to put her in a potato battery, which I have to admit is funny. <laughs> yeah. 
and she kind of becomes kind of your buddy cop throughout the rest of the game. And it's one of those things that it's uh, really ingenious that the way that they got it where uh, the excuse that she can't help you with the portals or with the, uh, not the portals, but the uh, puzzles. Uh, because the first time you encounter Wheatley, uh, you discover that if he tries to help you, it's rather unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, all we had to do was put a portal over there. No, you had to press the button. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, but uh, throughout this, you also encounter the recordings and Gladys starts to have kind of flashbacks to her previous life. Uh, hearing her old recordings because yeah. uh, we never really uh, mentioned that uh, Cave Johnson had his assistant uh, on, in his in some of his recordings as well and she starts repeating the lines it's uh, really sad uh, the last kind of everyone's hung up on that lemon rant but playing through it again I paid a lot more attention to Gladys uh, her saying goodbye. It's just such a touching moment that I think a lot of people kind of gloss over because uh, they're too busy laughing, laughing at the lemons. Yeah. Again, you know, he's got a, it's a very sad character arc and story that's a lot deeper, I think, than most people are going to catch on to. It's, it's kind of weird to say this, but Portal 2 is one of those games that I think you need to replay because once you get past the uh, laughter, you start to pay a lot more attention to some of the subtext that you may have missed otherwise. Yeah, I definitely I definitely want to go back and play it again. Yeah, I think I this think is I, my third or fourth time through the single player Portal 2. I'll probably play it one more time without commentary take it a little bit more slowly and then play it a final time with commentary. Oh, but once you get back up into the, uh, modern sarcasm quotes, uh, aperture with Wheatley in charge, you discover what he's been doing. <laughs> There's poor freaking turrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to admit that they're kind of adorable. <laughs> <laughs> In a kind of a freakish way. Just the way that they move. Uh, the Franken turrets are essentially the bastard child of a uh, aperture turret and a weighted cube. And they move around like hermit crabs. <laughs> With two heads, of course. Because, yeah, Wheatley. Yeah. And they're actually smarter than Wheatley. <laughs> they get fried with the paradox. Which, uh, in old aperture, they have a poster saying... In case of a, a rogue AI, I just screamed at one of these paradoxes. And Wheatley just says, true. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, every Franken turret in the room fries. <laughs> oh, but you're uh, trapped in Wheatley's tests, which at the beginning are kind of simple. <laughs> yeah, Wheatley's not... not- the best. Not the greatest level designer, is he? No, definitely not. Well, and you also start to get a hint of 
possibly why Gladys was so intent on testing is that the primary frame that what well, Gladys was part of that yeah it was the central core of uh, Aperture Science is hardwired to force an AI to want to test. It gives a orgasmic response. I mean, some of those uh, lines from Wheatley, wow, huh? Yeah. Especially the first few when he gets that first hit. Yeah, the first one's always the the strongest. You know, there's... I didn't really consider addiction as part of my diagnosis because... Oh God, there's so much shit going on, but that is, that could be a part of it. I mean, she, she claims that she has the uh, willpower to push through it, but that, you know, sounds almost like, you know, she's trying to justify it, huh? Or trying to say, well, it's, you know, it's not a problem for me. Yeah. But yeah, Wheatley, uh, the hits start to wear off rather quickly. And he decides, you know, these two little robots that we found in the back, they'll be able to test for me, so we don't need you anymore. And then you get to the part where he tries to kill you. <laughs> oh, and Wheatley is always overly complex with his death traps. <laughs> yeah, but that makes him so much fun, though. What? Uh, Holmes and Moriarty. Aristotle and Vashi Spiky Blade. Oh, <laughs> uh, just the I love the writing in Portal. Maybe that's why I, I didn't like a Quantum Conundrum nearly as much as that the writing is nowhere near as strong. Well, that and the gameplay isn't either. No, right. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you escape again and eventually make your way to the main chassis again and uh, initiate another core transfer to put uh, Gladys back in charge of the facility before the place goes boom. And what do you think of the solution for the final boss encounter? Um, What do you mean? Where you put the personality cores back on? Well, the uh, essentially uh, a reverse of the first portal at, at boss fight and then that final shot yeah i i really liked it there's sort of a um, uh like a poetic justice to it or an ironic justice to it like this is how i destroyed glados and this is how i will recreate her and then the final shot you're talking about the the moon the moon shot yeah yeah that was pretty cool i have to say yeah did you know about that going in uh i did i did oh uh, but I had never actually seen it. Like, I knew it was a thing, and I even saw the, uh, what's that show called on YouTube, which is not helpful. There's like a million of them. Because Science. Because Science did an episode on this where they talked about uh, what would happen if the portal gun, or the portal to the moon, had uh, just stayed open. How long would it take for the Earth's atmosphere to vent? So that was interesting. It was something like three million years for all of the atmosphere to vent out of that tiny little portal. Hmm. I mean, it would kill humanity in, in a couple of thousand if they didn't plug up the hole, but... I'll just throw Wheatley in. <laughs> well, Wheatley goes through the portal, so he's a little <laughs> bit small. But yeah, I loved that. 
I was uh, just, just and just that slow down effect, uh, and th- that's actually something that they talked about in the dev commentary is that they needed a, a way to convey that you did the right thing, but still have the realistic delay because it's uh, about a second and a half, two seconds. Yeah, uh, delay from uh, Earth to the Moon, uh, and they didn't want to have it instantaneous because that didn't feel right. They wanted that proper delay. So that slow motion and sound effect. And then the Team Rocket blasting off again. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> <laughs> Ding. Yeah. Uh, such an amazing sequence. And of course, you know, uh, uh, all the spheres come uh, uh, coming in. And uh, th- th- uh, all of them have a lot of more lines than you probably even hear in the game. Unless you just... Sit- uh, rush to the sphere and then sit there till you explode. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I guess they probably do because they're chattering the whole, pretty much the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, well, I-, I love Rick the Adventure Sphere, the uh, the second one that you get. Uh, just yeah, you know, how over the top he is. It it kind of reminds me almost of Cave Johnson, only you know, less so. But the factoid spear is also pretty funny. <laughs> uh, the first person to drink uh, milk from a cow was very, very thirsty. <laughs> One in four people uh, will be kidnapped by the Dutch. And just all of the wall things. I'm kind of tempted to go get a list of those. Because the it's just comedy gold. Uh, but does show that Wheatley isn't quite as big a moron as maybe Gladys uh, was giving him credit for because he tried his best to uh, defeat you. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that he went back and watched the tape and learned from that. He, he, there's just no way that he could have counted on the gel. Because that was the big thing was that the conversion gel uh, made what otherwise would have been his death trap of a lap, of layer uh, portable to you know, throw bombs back at him. Yeah. And also he booby trapped the stalemate button. <laughs> yeah, that I mean that was a smart thing too. Like, I mean uh, he's pretty yeah, dumb, earlier, but yeah, he does yeah, occasionally earlier, get things right. Yeah, earlier in the game, uh, to put Wheatley in charge, uh, it detected Gladys was a corrupt core, which it makes you wonder just how corrupt she was, or yeah. Uh, or from the frame and uh, the sequence is to go in and hit a button well they subvert that in the uh, in the main boss fight because they booby trapped it <laughs> yeah which you still have to go in there to hit the button but yeah. it it explodes yeah as a matter of fact that's right before uh, the very end you have one last click and that's it yep then you watch the ending cutscene of getting things getting sucked out into space. Gladys pulls you back in. She talks to you for a minute, and then sends you on your merry way. And then, Basically, uh, she's like then, uh, she, then another Jonathan Colton song. Yeah, which I I like. Like enter the elevator and all the turrets are pointing at you, and then you get a serenade. Yeah, yeah, yeah the uh, science opera. Yeah, yeah. You have actually three ending songs in Portal Two. You have the science opera, 
you have uh, Want You Gone, the single player end song or credit song. And then you have Robots for the Win, the multiplayer uh, end credit song. So you have quite a bit of uh, kind of reward music as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anything to really talk about here? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, you covered it all pretty well. I just mostly let you tell the story. Having played it a couple of times and listened to the dev commentary, I know you do a better job than me. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything major that I'm missing. They, oh, okay, here's one thing. Uh, uh, this is uh, something that they mentioned in the dev commentary. I want to see if you caught it. Um, when they were originally building Portal 2, they were using uh, portals in the world geometry to essentially just fast fabricate the levels together before putting them all together in their final form. There's one section of the game, or one place in the game, that is an impossible space that is bigger on the inside than in the out, a TARDIS level. Did you notice it or where it was? No, on both counts. Okay, well... Uh, the spot is the crap turret ambush from Wheatley. When you go into the room, it's bigger. Huh. Interesting. Is it's there... That, uh, it's just something that was left over. Okay. I was gonna say, is there any, like, significance to it, or was it just no, something a, that... It was just a leftover. Uh, purely. And it was just something that I thought was kind of interesting, you know? Yeah. And also just the way that they were using, uh, they were thinking with portals. <laughs> yeah. Are you, yeah. I wonder if you could use portals in some way to, to do that. I don't know. What, just fast fabricate the levels? Yeah, just fast fabricate a bunch of stuff. I do like that you see the the king turret, actually, in the, the song. The, the, yeah, the animal king. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's another thing is that there's a lot of humor that you could easily miss. Not just the uh, extra audio bits, but just the videos as well in the first, what, third of a game? Yeah. Uh, where, in case of the Animal King takeover, and it's just the, this giant turn, and then later on at the serenade, uh, you have the giant Animal King in the background. Yeah, there's there. I mean, there's tons of little extra humor thrown in everywhere. Well, maybe not everywhere, but in lots of places. So they're just great at, at getting in little details in there, which you know they had in Portal One. I think there were less in Portal One, but oh, far they were less. there. But then again, yeah, you know, it was also a lot smaller of a game. Yeah. So that's the Portal Two single player. Uh, the the co-op multiplayer. Yeah, which, uh, does the co-op make a lot more sense now? It does. It does. Although the co-op is pretty standalone. I mean, there wasn't too much I felt like that I was missing out having now played the single player. Um, the Cave Johnson, when he shows up, makes more sense. Uh, the bird was was cute. A cute callback to the single player. Because the, the bird gets, or there's a bird that comes and takes Potato Gladys and flies but away to eat her. Yeah, in the uh, single player, and it, it kind of instills a fear of birds and Gladys. <laughs> yeah, I, I shouldn't say kinda. It does. It does. 
So that was that was pretty funny. That made that make more sense. And I, I got a little extra <laughs> chuckle out of that, the ending of the Portal 2 co-op. But yeah, the, I mean... Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was, I was about to just like delve into Portal 2 co-op with a couple of generalities. I mean, so... If you yeah, have something the, else yeah, to the, say. yeah. There's not a lot to say about the co-op. It's probably going to be a, similar to what we talked about in, uh, lengthwise of Portal One. Is that uh, it's basically more of the puzzle elements, but uh, the big change is, of course, that you have four portals now because right. each character has their own portals, and uh, well, you're introduced to them. Well, first of all, Wheatley finds them, but. Uh, in the ending cutscene of Portal uh, single player. Yeah, they're there when Shell wakes up. Um, but yeah, so the the multiplayer, the the general sort of story for it is that you're going around reactivating and the, some stuff in the facility so that you can ultimately get to that control center where the bird is and shoo it away. Uh, you're uh, in the DLC. Yeah. You're skipping oh, ahead. Oh, that's the DLC. See, I didn't know that there was a difference. Yeah, like, that's uh, yeah, that's uh, the art appreciation that was uh, set later. The original ending for the multiplayer is the giant door that you open up and into the chamber of humans. Okay. Essentially, uh, the story of uh, Portal 2's multiplayer is that. Uh, you're reconnecting GLaDOS to parts of the facility that they disconnected her from. And in it is a, uh, she eventually discovers a huge chamber of humans that's been frozen. And she's uh, thawing them out to have more human testing. Because it turns out, you know, Chell is a little dangerous to keep around. <laughs> yeah. The mute lunatic. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I guess I'd forgotten about that bit because for you know I didn't have to like get the DLC or anything. Like I mean, yeah, it's a free DLC. Yeah, so I just already had it and we just went on and played it. But the the puzzles again, simple but elegant puzzles involving now four portals. You have to work together as a team to solve the puzzles. Um, and yeah, especially... they did a really good job with the extra tool, the pointer tool. Uh, yeah. To be able to say, uh, no, no, put it there because that's probably gonna would have been the worst part of multiplayer if they didn't have a a, a point. <laughs> yeah, I it's a very different experience too. Like I I mentioned last week, just very briefly, I was playing Portal Two with one of one of my kids, and we were working on some stuff. But when you and I played it, it we had to even though we could talk you to were each the other, we, we still had to use the pointer tool and things. Uh, but sitting in the same room, I can just be like, look at my screen. Here's what I'm trying to, to explain to you. So it's a very different experience even doing it a split screen versus online, which is interesting. Plus, this time, yeah, he's the Wheatley instead of me. <laughs> and also the fact that, well, granted, you don't have to use a uh, local multiplayer, but the fact that you're able to look through the other person's eye as well. Yeah. And some of the uh, puzzles absolutely actually require that. Yeah, we haven't gotten that far yet, though. <laughs> We're in the the third test chamber. Oh, fun! So, uh, but anyway, uh, once you thought all the humans, 
uh, she decides, you know, human testing is probably for the best and disassembles the co-op robots. Well, you wake up far into the future and Gladys has become an art director who, <laughs> whose art looks kind of like test chambers. Well, as you progress through them, you start to get a sense that she's kind of preparing you for something. And eventually she drops all pretext and uh, says that, yeah, I kind of killed all the humans trying to turn uh, them into a killing machine. Turns out that, yeah, turns, yeah, psychotic uh, humans, a lot more rare than you would expect based on our previous sample size. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So she has to use the co-op robots and to uh, turn them from marshmallows into killers. For the final confrontation with the bird, who's the who's built a nest on one of the prototype Gladys mainframes, is accidentally hitting a key, <laughs> and that's the big <laughs> reveal. Yeah. Is that yeah. is that every so often it's hitting a key that's disabling something for a short time, <laughs> and you shoo away the bird, but discover that it's Bond. <laughs> <laughs> you remember this cutscene now, right? Yeah, I actually am pulling it up on on YouTube just to watch it silently. I love how too that they short shoot the portal gun at it. <laughs> like, what is that supposed to do? Well, it's its only weapon. When your only tool is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Yeah. And eventually. Uh, I think it's Peabody comes up. Uh, it looks like it's, he's going to shoot the bird and just shoots it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a great, uh, silent acting. Yeah. I, I was watching a video earlier today about Charlie Chaplin's, uh, how he handled comedy. Compl- uh, uh, this sounds like a non sequitur, but. It's the same basic idea of being able to convey a story and convey just pure comedy without a word, all through action. And that's where the cutscenes in Portal really uh, pay off, is just that understanding that actions are sometimes a lot louder than words, especially in comedy. Yeah. And, well, that's really the end of Portal 2, is that uh, she has the, what was the Avery uh, uh, incubation chamber? Yeah. <laughs> and she's, isn't she, like, sitting in there talking to the birds? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're not baby marshmallows. Birds. You're killers. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes me wonder if they ever revisit Portal, which would be a damn shame if they don't. What are they going to do? Because there's a lot of directions that they could go with Portal 3. Yeah. Including existence. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll never make it because Valve is uh, mortally afraid of the number three. But... Plus, they're making way too much money off of CSGO keys and skins out of Dota 2. Yeah. I don't... I don't. I honestly don't know if I'd want a Portal Three or not. I mean, I have enjoyed both games, but I don't know what they could do or uh, where they would go, and I just don't know if they could 
make it good. I would like to see, uh, granted, it'd be very difficult to do, a merger of Half-Life and Portal. I mean, they are in the same universe. And in Old Aperture, you see a display case full of uh, trophies. Number two signs. (laughs) And uh, Cave Johnson is not bitter at all about Black Mesa. (laughs) <laughs> yeah be nice to see Gordon Freeman and Shell get together they would be like the ultimate mute action duo well there is the fan theory that Gordon Freeman isn't a mute he's just you know you don't hear him have you ever heard that one no why wouldn't that, you hear him uh, that you know it's just uh, the player doesn't hear what Gordon Freeman says but he uh, talks to uh, the characters, or uh, or is a man of few words, but does say something. It's an interesting idea. I'm not sure if I buy into it. I'd have to go look that up later because there's some pretty interesting theories if about uh, Portal and Half Life. So, because I did browse the Portal wiki a little bit to help fill in some gaps and make sure I had some a few things, just because I knew that you know you had played it more than me so you might have caught on to some things on your second or third playthroughs uh and yeah i just found a few things so yeah and that's uh that's really the strength of valve is that their world building is just uh just amazing yeah and granted sometimes it does require you to fill in probably a little bit more gaps than you really should but the fact that everything is still there behind the scenes is really uh, quite nice. Sort of like how the G-Man keeps showing up uh, during your adventures in Half-Life 2. In yeah. ways that you wouldn't see him normally if you were p- just playing the game normally. Yeah, you have to look for him, but he's there. Um. Uh, okay, before we really get into the analysis of uh, GLaDOS... Uh, Game mechanic changes. What do you think of how they changed the mechanics from Portal to Portal 2? Um, I like the addition of the gels. Those really, I think, flush out the actual Portal gun. Uh, Because before, basically, your mechanics were, you know, you could use the Portal to move yourself. (sighs) Whoops. Move yourself or another object, you know, somewhere. You could use them to build up momentum if you needed to, like, cross a large expanse or something like that. And there were a few other little little things here or there, but for the most part, that was it. But in Portal 2, adding the gels really expanded the amount of, of movement that you could do, the range that you could use the portals, and then the uh, same for the, the little light platforms. Yeah, well, the, the, there's not just that. There's also the kicker plates, uh, the aerial faith plates. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's and right. the tractor beams. Yep, forgot about those for a second, too. Well, the to be um, fair, the uh, faith plates are introduced late, and so are the tractor beams. Yeah, but still, just they did uh, a lot of good to improve the the range. The toolkit. The toolkit and your, and your mobility. Um, it felt a lot more active. Like, I, and, I mean, I know that this isn't true, but a lot of Portal 1 feels very static. Like, I'm standing here, shoot a portal get the momentum, jump the thing, whatever, you know? Well, um, I, well whereas to give Portal you an 2 idea, felt a lot more active. Well, to tell you just how static Portal 1 is, there was a video that was that's floating around today. Uh, talk about uh, uh, perfect timing. 
of someone beating Portal 1 without moving their mouse. Wow. That's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. It's on Reddit right now. It's just, I was watching a little bit of it earlier, and it's, grand, some of it, it's a, a little, I don't want to call it cheaty, but uh, it, it definitely uses some creative use of portals. They were thinking with portals, eh? Where in order to change their perspective, instead of moving the mouse, uh, they would go through a series of portals to ch- uh, change how they're looking. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Uh, for me, I really love that they expanded the toolkit. Some of the connecting sequences between ch- uh, test sequences, for uh, lack of a better term, felt like a lot of it was, okay, find the light source because what valve usually does is they use light as an indicator of where to go. And there was a couple of times where it's, you know, okay, here's this huge expansive environment. Let me find the one spot that I can put a portal on. And that felt like a little bit of a detriment to uh, what could have been a more fluid sequence, especially since uh, these uh, this particular was uh, bad in old aperture. Uh, this was before the portal gun was invented. Granted, there is a poster of a primitive portal gun, but they talked about later finding out a finding a great portal conductor. So there's a little bit of iffiness on the time frames. I would have loved to seen uh, some of the chambers, some of the old chambers. Since you have the portal gun, just be able to completely cheat. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice, actually. Yeah, in the uh, breakout sequence in Portal 1, uh, you go through one of the old chambers with the uh, uh, fully powerful portal gun, and you're able to just break the rules and go right through it Yeah, without completing the puzzle. I'd have loved to have seen uh, at least one, uh, uh, one chamber like that, where... Oh, they didn't design this be- uh, like for the portal gun because the portal gun was exi- in, in existence yet. So, you know, I'm able to skip this entire very convoluted sequence by just portal there, portal there, but still have it where, okay, if I wanted to do the uh, the puzzle, it's still a working puzzle. It would have been a nice little Easter egg, you know? Yeah. But that's, been. yeah, a very minor nitpick. It's just... uh. Some of the sequences felt like they were just, you know, find a hidden object, only find the white panel somewhere. And that's, uh, it kind of carries over to the test chambers themselves because in Portal 1, you would have, you know, half the test chamber or more uh, with portable surfaces. But in Portal 2, they really streamlined things. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. Granted, they probably had to with the improved uh, tool set. You know what I'm talking about? Where yeah. in Portal 2, you'll have a small section of uh, uh, places where you can put portals instead of you know half the chamber. Yeah. But that's probably a uh, casualty of just the improved tool sets. Yeah, because you can give too much freedom, otherwise people would never figure it out. Or just completely break fr- things. Yeah. Which, that's something that they talked about in the dev commentary of the first game, was there were several times that they would uh, break a uh, 
uh, solution that was kind of cheaty, but there was also a couple of solutions that they left in that were cheaty because they required more skill than actual puzzle, <laughs> which was funny. Yeah. Would be interesting. Really got to listen to that deaf commentary at some point. Um, do you have any, I, I assume that both of us recommend this game or these oh, games. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. tough not to. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts? Any last anything before we move on to uh, the GLaDOS's Psyche Val? Uh, definitely the- go check out the workshop content. Okay. Because there is just a an amazing amount of very talented map creators that's made some just some absurdly tough, some absurdly easy. And that's probably going to be the toughest thing about it is just figuring out where your difficulty curve is. But there's... Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of it and now I'm just going to go look it up. There is the 12 Angry Test that was, uh, if I recall correctly, was a very good sequence of test chambers that you definitely should check out at some point. But okay. then there's just yeah you know, little one-off puzzles. There's uh, just... Uh, racetracks that you know are meant to be played in multiplayer to r- uh, race against one another, but there's a lot of stuff on the uh, on the Steam Workshop. There are, well, I have it up here right now. Overall, there's five hundred ninety-one thousand seventy-one entries on the Workshop, with four hundred ninety-seven thousand of them being single player. <laughs> yep, that's definitely uh. You know, there's there's a few there. Yeah. Hopefully you don't run out of content too fast, though. I mean, whew. Oh, to be fair, <laughs> some of them do look like they were designed by Wheatley. And it was funny <laughs> that that Wheatley put the word test on the side of his chamber. <laughs> oh, I, I do like Wheatley. Me too. Uh, and we never really said what happened to him. We said that he got stuck out into space, but... He's not alone. He has his friend, the space sphere. <laughs> yeah, Who, floating uh, past it, it, him. No, no, no. Wheatley's so dense that the space sphere is in orbit of him. <laughs> or did you not catch that pun? No, I didn't catch that pun. The space sphere is in orbit of Wheatley. Nice. And he is so dense that he is able to <laughs> give us a stable orbit. <laughs> oh, That's I love great. the puns. Me too. Alrighty. Well, let's move on to the thing that everybody's been waiting for. Gladys yeah, just how, just how crazy is this bitch? Okay, so I did this just like I would do an evaluation for any other client that I see at work whenever they come in for their intake session. So I'm just going to read through it. Um, I tried to simplify as much as possible so that there's not as much sort of... A, jargon in it but so is this going to be like looney tunes where you just hold up a uh, screwball or crackpot no (laughs) (laughs) all right uh also i'll give you the link for this so that you can put in the show notes too and someone can go read it themselves if they want glados is a sentient ai program activated by the aperture science labs she's employed as the facilities testing director and spends most of her day running tests on her lab rats and assistants GLaDOS takes great pride and satisfaction in her work, choosing to work tirelessly year-round. 
At work, GLaDOS does tend to get into altercations with her employees and lists one female <laughs> in particular as her nemesis, in quotes. GLaDOS first seeks to resolve problems with violence. However, she can be reasoned with if the opposing party has enough leverage against her. GLaDOS tends to fully and completely solve a problem, resorting to extreme measures if necessary, as evidenced by the poison gas and rocket attacks she's carried out against test subjects. GLaDOS often employs acid, spikes, and other extreme testing means as a way to sort out the, quote, best individuals. GLaDOS has been repeatedly shown to have a bias against humans and actively antagonizes any she meets. GLaDOS, however, does not treat other robots or AI much better and is willing to be more open and, or, but is willing to be more open and honest with them in conversation. GLaDOS does not respond well to criticism or alternatives to her plans and goals. GLaDOS actively displays signs and symptoms of an abuser. She berates all of her test subjects and employees, coming up with a variety of insults and slurs to use against them regularly. GLaDOS does display an extremely high level of intelligence and capability. She is able to actively manage and control the entire Aperture Science Labs, a number of robotic and AI constructs, and actively run testing scenarios. She may be capable of even more. She does, however, display high levels of aggression and manipulation, as well as a total lack of emotion. The one-time GLaDOS has been observed to show real emotion, so she quickly buries it as deeply as possible. GLaDOS expresses both sociopathic and psychopathic tendencies, making a completely accurate diagnosis difficult. However, based on the present evidence and my professional opinion, GLaDOS is most likely suffering from antisocial per personality disorder. And then I've got the DSM codes after that. Antisocial personality disorder is in the sense that she is working against normal social order for the colloquially understood meaning of antisocial C social phobia. GLaDOS meets all seven diagnostic criteria, and these are as follows. Failure to obey laws and norms by engaging in behavior which results in criminal arrest or would warrant criminal arrest. Lying, deception, and manipulation for profit or self-amusement. Impulsive behavior. Irritability and aggression manifested as frequently assaulting others or engaging in fighting. Blatantly disregards the self, or sorry, blatantly disregards safety of self and others. A pattern of irresponsibility and a lack of remorse for her action. Actions. Recommended course of treatment is as follows. Client needs to be submitted to both the criminal justice system and recommended to semi to fully permanent psychiatric care. There are no known effective treatments for antisocial personality disorder that are as strong as this. Most likely heavy medication and then I put in parentheses, computer virus, will be mandatory <laughs> for life, barring any criminal sentencing that may result in the euthanization of the client, or euthanization of this client. Federal and state laws must be consulted. It is very likely that the client also suffers from other personality disorders as, a, as comorbidity with reactive attachment disorder, Munchausen disease, and schizophrenia are possible. Also, given the severity of the symptoms, it would be irresponsible to rule out other schizotypal disorders as well. Further testing would be required to confirm. And I just realized the irony of further testing. <laughs> so I'm not done now, now I'm just imagining GLaDOS sitting in a test chamber like, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm almost done, but I'm not done yet. Socio and or psychopathy are both difficult to rule out. Sociopathy operates on a scale, and psychopathy tends to be all or nothing, exemplified by large degrees of recklessness. GLaDOS's high intelligence and ability to manipulate exclude a full, psychop uh, full psychopathy diagnosis, in my professional opinion. While antisocial disorder is considered in some circles to be synonymous with sociopathy, there are some differences. Sociopaths, for example, tend to be much more controlled and manipulative. 
While risk-taking and lack of self-control may be present, they are much more rare and often present more subtly. As such, it felt appropriate to rule out both diagnoses and opt for a lesser but more middle ground diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder. Regardless of labels, GLaDOS is a dangerous and unpredictable client. The utmost caution should be exercised when interacting with her. Full stop. So, bitch be crazy. Yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing that. Oh, but, GLaDOS is a fun character. Yes, she is. I was almost tempted to ask you to do Cave Johnson, but he's not enough in the in the game, I don't think, to really give you enough uh, information. Yeah, I would have really struggled to do Cave Johnson. I mean, I could have done some generalities for sure, but I got pretty specific with GLaDOS. Yeah, well, to be fair, there was also the extra lines, but you wouldn't have heard them, and I would have had to link them to you and possibly spoil some things. Yeah. Especially since you would, uh, it, yeah. Well, it's uh, a, the Cave Johnson lines are from uh, different Cave Johnsons in different universes as well. So I'm not sure if they really apply. <laughs> like it there's one. Uh, there, well, you remember the uh, Mantis Man? Yeah. There's a Mantis Man Cave Johnson. <laughs> okay. Who talks about fighting a, a army of man mantises? <laughs> That's great. That's great. And then there's a Cave Johnson that just meows. All right, that makes sense. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's oh. Portal and Portal Two. Yeah, I think we. Well, I think we're done here. <laughs> yeah. We're we're almost done with the podcast too. We were at roughly the three hour mark. Yeah, I'm looking at two fifty four. Well, without a uh, small edit. Yeah, so let's go ahead and do our or announce our next game club, and then I think we should wrap it up. Well, uh, discovery queue. Um, we can, but we're already over three. Going to be over three hours. Oh, but discovery queue is so much fun. All right, we'll run one quick discovery queue. <laughs> Besides, I, I'm sure there's uh, still at least one or two F1 games I need to get. <laughs> I'm sure. All right, so the next game club game we are going to do is Transistor. Yeah, something super giant. Yeah. 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 yeah super giant. Yeah, a little bit more of uh, honey being licked out of our ears, huh? Yeah. Uh, this is one that I've been meaning to go back and play. I've never beaten this one. Yeah, I've never played Transistor. I've always wanted to. Um, I just this is a very very different from Bastion. Yeah, and, and that's the thing with uh, Supergiant is that they're kind of com- becoming clay, where all their games are unique. Have you seen their new one? No. You haven't seen their new game coming out. I don't think I have. Maybe I have, and I just don't realize it. Uh, they're doing a uh, a group RPG. Hang on, let me punch it up for you. Is it Pyre? Uh, uh, yeah. It looks interesting. It looks different. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah, I'm not sure how good this is going to be, but uh, it's worth a shot, right? Yeah, I'd give it a shot. I mean, I, I don't know. It looks odd. I need to see some stuff about it. Yeah, I mean, it- it's... Didn't it come out 
today or I guess yesterday. Uh, oh yeah, release date July twenty fifth, two thousand seventeen. So it came out. Okay, well, uh, when I was looking at it, it was still not available. It was showing pre order, and I okay. didn't pay attention to the release date. Yeah, so it just came out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this does. I mean, yeah. there are some very mixed reviews right now, but then again, yeah, it is the early reviews. Yeah. But that's not the game we're doing. We're doing Transistor. Lady in Red with a giant freaking sword that talks. Yep, talking sword. Sign me up. So yeah, well, we I already that? did. Yes, you did. But uh, we'll be doing that for the month of August. Looking forward to it. Yeah, should we uh, discuss on air what we're uh, uh, planning to do for, uh, well, uh, September uh, to get some submissions because it's something different? Uh, sure, we can mention that. Okay, we're wanting to dive into a free-to-play game. And the thing is that the free-to-play market is vast. Yeah, it's got a lot of turds in it. It's a vast so, ocean of turds. So this is your chance to submit uh, and for a call to stuff the ballot box <laughs> of what do you want us to do for September? Uh, free-to-play game. Hopefully something that we haven't played before. So that rules out things like Warframe. We want to focus on the early ex- uh, experience with the either an MMO or, uh, well, a free-to-play game in general. But MMO tends to be the majority of the market these days. Yeah, some of the MMOs that we have played that we're not considering for this, uh, Star Trek Online, uh, that was the first one that kind of came to mind for me. Yeah. And that's like, well, we've played that one. Yeah, Both I've of us played it extensively. Yeah, I've played it uh, pretty extensively as well. Rift, I would be willing to try. Uh, it's something I played a fair amount of, but I was stressed through it, so I have no idea what's going on story-wise, and I only know the kind of the base mechanics. Yeah. Um, Wildstar. We yeah, both well, played Wildstar a bit. Yeah, and I have a level 50 character there from uh, their giveaway. Yeah. I've got uh, two characters at level, like in the mid-20s. Because uh, Katie and I play Wildstar some. So that one's out. Were there any others? I guess uh, well, anything... TF2. <laughs> yeah. Anything we've ever played for Stream Night basically is out. So Warframe, which you said already. War Thunder. The the World of Games. World of Warships. World of Planes. World of Tanks. Yeah, and this is probably going to be more mechanically based. So it'll probably be a shorter game club as well. Yeah. But this is your chance to influence game club once again. And for for Kyle to ruin it all, <laughs> I only pick on Kyle because I well he's my friend. Indeed, indeed. Hey, the moment I stop picking on Kyle, then you have to worry. Uh, so yes. So moving on from that, uh, I know that we didn't have any emails or anything for Community Corner. Did we have any tweets or? I think you said that there were no responses to the question of the week. Yeah, no responses to the question of the week. Which I'll still say where it is. You know, maybe somebody will email in. The question of the week was, <clears throat> what is your favorite video game in credit song? And I was asking people to link it so we would have music to listen to. But yeah, maybe that was a little much. I think mine uh, may be Bastion. Hmm. But I have to admit that, and this may be spoilers, Rimworlds is fucking satisfying. 
you know, I've never really thought much about end credit songs. I mean, I like, um, I like the one at the end of Portal and Portal Two. I mean, those are great, but I don't know if I would say that they're my favorites. Maybe I don't know. You know what? I think my favorite end credit song actually is at the end of Mass Effect, and because it's not like um, as amazing or creative as a lot of others but the way that it plays into the way that that game ends and it swells and builds like here comes something epic you know like they were saying we're about to send you on an even bigger journey that you just mm-hmm. had in mass effect one i like that here really. i'm gonna link you of rim worlds since we've heard bastions uh skip to probably about 10 seconds in because it has the uh, a, a sound effect at the beginning of it okay yeah, well, 13 <laughs> That's seconds. Nice. That's nice. That makes me feel like uh, f- sort of uh, Firefly. Well, that's the uh, uh, the feel that they're going for. Well, then they, they did it. And plus also the uh, uh Oh, there's words. And, yeah. Nice. I like that. That's good. I have to admit, very satisfying. <laughs> Coolio. You can see why it's kind of gone up there, huh? Yeah. And not just the fact that, you know, it took me over 48 hours to get to it. <laughs> but Bastion is, uh, well, Bastion's music is just amazing in general. And that's why I'm kind of looking forward to uh, Transistor. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Trans- Transistor as well. So, here's to hoping it's a, it's a good one, which I think it is based on all the reviews and everything, but never played it before, so... Well, I've only played a little bit of it. But uh, if you wish to uh, get into the uh, uh, community corner, please. <laughs> well, well, wait, 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 wait. We did have one tweet. I forgot about that. Chemist, I'm offended by your bi erasure. I'm not important not to be offended. Well, I don't know. It sounds like he's offended. Mission accomplished. Woo. That's it, people. Let's pack it up and go home. <laughs> Yeah, we did it. Bring out the banner. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm offending him by. Uh, do, do you recall this? I don't remember. Does, wait, does this offend him? Does this offend him? Yeah, that we don't recall what we're uh, uh, not offending him by. I don't know. I'm terribly confused now. <laughs> Me too. And now I've gone cross-eyed. That good, huh? All right. Yes, so I am you, still listening to the RimWorld song in the background. So you want to do a discovery queue instead of just calling it a night, huh? Yes, yes. I'm No, I'm making it rough on you. All right. Let's do because it. Because we need some more music. And I'll count that as the queue, so... Queue? Uncle Q? Let's see. First game, no good. Second game. What is this? Space got- Tyrant. I got Strike Vector right off the bat. A. Uh. This may be for you. Let's. I don't think you have this on your wish list. This is a th- uh, three axis uh, space combat game. Interesting. Is it arcadey, I assume? Uh, looks like it. It says fast paced multiplayer. And it has hardly anybody playing, so. Hmm. Well, I'll drop it in the show notes anyway. It's something a little bit interesting. 
Yeah, so here's one that looks neato. Space Tyrant. Um, it looks like uh, some kind of 4X strategy game with a nifty art style and something about some kind of RPG elements with leveling up and things. And it's recommended to me because of all of the many 4X space games I play. Well, like, uh, well, Strike Vector EX was recommended to me because of MechWarrior Online because, you know, that's a, a space 3D shooter thingy. Yeah. This looks reminiscent of the old, the older Galactic Civilization games. I mean, not in terms of like art style and stuff, but the some of the menus and it, it might be like inspired, like the planetary things that you could go down and do. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on my wish list. Well, I got a, another one possibly. Apora Beyond the Valley, a first-person atmospheric puzzle game. Oh, I got this one too. Ah, all right. Well, yeah. I guess you don't need my link then, but it looks very pretty. It does look pretty. Uh, a lot, uh, well, not, not a lot, but a couple people complain that the puzzles are simple, so. Which, that's where, you know, that we talked about the balance, you know. You have to have a, a proper balance between difficulties. And you have to spend time uh, training. Yeah. The hell? What is this? Rise the de- Raise the Dead, sorry. Uh, a... Uh, a zombie experimentation game. I'll uh, link it down below. It looks almost like Zombie Slime Rancher. It's not going to be out till late this year or early next year. Herd different zombies and keep them in cells. Synthesize uh, and craft various potions. Use potions to perform experiments on zombies. Interesting. I mean, it screams Slime Rancher to me. Just the art style. Yeah, a very cutesy uh, zombie game. And it and it just throws up a bunch of... Uh, why is this relevant to you? A bunch of tags. So see, Discovery Cube was a good idea. <laughs> I haven't gotten very many good things. I'm almost done with mine. I had the, the one that we shared, and then I had my neat looking one space tyrant but it looks like i'm getting some more uh steam direct garbage uh, i just got space tyrant <laughs> and i also got b as in just a free-to-play game with a b flying around what in the hell is this uh well what the hell this is is going on the discovery queue i had a good queue it seems I did not, but I'm okay with that. Nephaphase begins. It tells the players what happened before Nephaphase uh, was in was an orb collector. So it looks like it's a prequel to another game. Very pretty, or at least use uh, it makes good use of God rays. <laughs> One of the two. It looks interesting enough. God rays. God rays. Where's your God ray now? Ray, when somebody asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> and it looks like that is it for me. Yep, that's the discovery queue. Nice. Well, I only got one out of the deal, but you got four? Yep. 
Yeah. But then again, I usually have more. Uh, I'm a lot tougher critic, but I'm more uh, lenient when I'm saying, "Huh, that looks interesting." Yeah. Looks like. Not that get... that's a bad thing. I mean, it makes it so that uh, hopefully share something of somewhat interest. Or just add things to your wish list. One of the two. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I like getting stuff on my wish list. Oh, my. Uh, well, with that out of the way, then let's get to the portion of the podcast where I go first. Sprawling! Yeah, as I smack my my mic stand. Oh, um, don't worry, I've had a couple of mic hits today. I, I've turned my head and, you know, just clipped it with my headset. More than once. So coming up on my channel this week, there will, of course, be the weekly dose of Divinity. Uh, there will, of course, be the podcast. And I think I'm going to separately record my uh, GLaDOS Psyche Val and put that up and just see how it does. Uh, I, I suppose I could just pull it from this, too. Just pull it from my audio track before I combine everything and uh, clean it up a little bit more for that. Cause In I other words, just of... mute my uh, mute track. <laughs> yeah. I had a couple of, uh, of stumbles. I'll edit those out and fix them, but... Post that on my channel. That should be fun. Let's see how well that does. Uh, 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 and the title, Bitch Be Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but things with work are as crazy as they were last week, but no crazier this week. So I have a handle on that. I'm going to try and get... Um, now, now, quick question. Uh, is crazy in your work good or bad? Yes. And? No. But... Maybe. All right. <laughs> now that that's cleared up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually discovered <laughs> some... You completely off track. I actually discovered some more hidden backlog uh, in my YouTube channel, so I'm going to be releasing some of those very old videos and just see how well they do. I'm at 102 or 103 subs, so that continues to go up. So, yay. Uh, thank you, everyone. Once again, I've said that before, but thank you, everyone for getting me to the triple digits. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside because I, I just do this for fun. So it's nice to see that at least some people are having fun with me. And I love I having fun. I'm not expecting to make money off of it because of the adpocalypse. <laughs> yeah, but no. I'm... Let's just put it this way. I was making a little bit of money. Then adpocalypse hit and uh, I went from a squat to half a squat. Nice. Getting those workouts in with the squats. Nah. Nah. Well, I gotta make my ass uh, sexy for you, right? Wink. You know it. But anyways, so thank ev- thank you once again, everyone, for uh, supporting me, subbing to me. Feels nice and fancy. Uh, and you nice. can find you can find me by searching for Gaming Psychologist on YouTube. Also, if you want to subscribe to me on Twitter, you can do so at JMA4707. I tweet about all kinds of things. Some of them are not even political. If you want to watch me stream games, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. There will not be a stream this week due to circumstances. Rage and I are going to have to do some uh, bonus or rescheduled recording uh, of Divinity. And I will Mostly trying to avoid another pause in content. Yeah, I will talk about that at a later date. There are a couple of you out there in the community that by the time this releases, uh, I was going to tell you about it anyway, so you'll know. But 
I'll I'll talk about it later on a on a different episode, maybe the next episode. But uh, yeah, so no streams this Friday. Uh, and then if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can do so by sending me a friend request. My Steam username is jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests on Steam. So far, all of you have been lovely, lovely people, and I enjoy talking to you whenever you chat me up. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Apple. Simple word, Apple. Come on, Apple. Apple. No, no, what you're doing is jumping. No, Apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see what you oh. did there. Well, I wasn't sure if you would uh, catch it, so you know, I had to run the joke into the ground. I had to Fair perform enough. a manual override on this joke. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> oh, so my channel. Well, Quantum Conundrum, as you may be, uh, well, figured out by now is ending this week, which means I need to quickly scramble and figure out what the hell I'm going to play next. Have a few uh, ideas. I put it out on Twitter, and maybe I should have linked on uh, my account, but people that knew better just uh, started suggesting random games that I don't have. Uh, here, Here's a little uh, surprise. I don't own everything on Steam. Just a good chunk of it. But mostly the crap. <laughs> Especially with Steam Direct. Ugh. Anyway, I'm going to try to figure that out in the next day or two. I have, like I said, I have a few good ideas of where I'm going to go with that. RimWorld is starting to wrap up as well. I've been in heavy testing for the next version of it. That's still a couple of weeks out, though. Maybe. Maybe. And, of course, Divinity is hopefully still ongoing. <laughs> Depends on just how much I can wrangle Jared, right? Wrangle me up, baby. Oh, my. And you can find all of that, including the Sunday Sampler, whenever that behaves. And that's the problem with the Sunday Sampler, is that if I'm recording it on Saturday, it's just way too late for me to be able to do anything proper. And I don't want to just, you know, throw random Let's Play content onto it unless it makes a lot of sense. The only time I've done Let's Play on the Sunday Sampler was an additional level to Meat Beats Dreams. That was a uh, series I already did. So Maybe if there's a super short game, I'll do another Let's Play on it, but I, I like doing the uh, random first impressions. Only problem is, like I said, sometimes they fight me. <laughs> Anyway, if you wish to catch all that, you can find me over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage, where I have that, including this podcast. But if you're on my channel, you're already hearing this podcast, most likely. So, yeah, check it out anyway. Or you can just catch me tweeting somewhat randomly over at Gaming with CR. My latest rant was about labels, because my problem with RimWorld getting everything set up I was running a mod that was calling itself a patch. It wasn't a patch, it was a standalone. So I was running uh, two versions of the mod and they were conflicting. And it was driving me absolutely batshit. Insane. Because it should have been working. It, uh, why is this working? It's not a patch. It says patch. Fuck. 
<laughs> Poor Rich. You can imagine. You can imagine just how pleased I was to see that. Very pleased. Anyway, the gaming of CR for Twitter and well, unfortunately, no Twitch at least yet. I do want to do Twitch eventually. It's just yeah, actually finding the time really. All the YouTube stuff uh, takes up a lot of time. But speaking of time, it is time to wrap things up. As always, you could contact us once again. VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, and gaming-related topics. Or just tweet us, VGLpodcast, on Twitter. If you wish to help to pay for this absolute madness, you found us over at patreon.com slash VGLpodcast. And if you're not listening to this through our RSS feed... You can find it over at bglpodcast.podbean.com where you can also find the show notes. But the podcast also lives on on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and who knows where else that Jared's found this to put this podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incompetech.com as well as doobly-doo, which is our Discovery Q music. <laughs> what? doobly do for the discovery queue what you just now caught that i've been doing that yes <laughs> it's at least the first time that i've chuckled at it so well just uh proves to that if i say a joke enough you eventually laugh at it <laughs> absolutely apple not yet yeah i'll give it a few more thousand times Anyways, as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. <laughs> See ya. Bye bye.